It's Friday, October 14th, 2022, and this is The People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family just delivered 20,000 MyPillows to Hurricane Ian relief victims in not South to the Florida. Ukraine? No, that's not where it goes. Hmm. Probably stopped at Hardee's on the way down there. <laughs> They've got a big bat sale going on at MyPillow right now. They've already launched My Coffee, but slippers, bathrobes, six-piece towel sets all on sale when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep or bath related. MyStore.com forward slash steak if you're more of a breakfast person. Or you talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, got more butt than ashtrays, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. Aged at least three years, hand-rolled premium cigars. The tobacco is picked from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his beans. Ooh. And you order over $100, free shipping. $10 e-gift card with every purchase. You enter promo code to take a checkout, you're getting 15% off. Patriot Cigar Company. A premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Hit them up. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Welcome. 
Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 178. I'm Ron. Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a great show. A couple of good friends coming in a little bit later. Cash Patel and Devin Nunes probably never heard of them. Not. You're about to know. Before we get to any of that, let's jump right into the news. But our duty today is to our country and our children and our Constitution. We are obligated to seek answers directly from the man who set this all in motion. And every American is entitled to those answers so we can act now to protect our republic. So this afternoon, I am offering this resolution that the committee direct the chairman to issue a subpoena for relevant documents and testimony under oath from Donald John Trump in connection with the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. Oh. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. Gentlelady yields back. If there's no further debate, the question is on agreeing to the resolution. Those in favor will say aye. 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 Those opposed is no. In the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. Mr. Chairman, I request a recorded vote. A recorded vote is requested. The clerk will call the roll. Ms. Cheney? Aye. Ms. Cheney? Aye. Ms. Lofgren? Aye. Ms. Lofgren? Aye. Mr. Schiff? Aye. Mr. Schiff? Aye. Mr. Aguilar? Aye. Mr. Aguilar? Aye. Mrs. Murphy? Aye. Mrs. Murphy? Aye. Mr. Raskin? Aye. Mr. Raskin? Aye. Mrs. Luria? Aye. Mrs. Luria? Aye. Mr. Kinzinger? Kinzinger, aye. Mr. Kinzinger, aye. Mr. Chairman? Aye. Mr. Chairman, aye. The clerk will report the vote. Mr. Chairman, on this vote, there are nine ayes and zero noes. The resolution is agreed to. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The chair requests that those in the hearing room remain seated until the Capitol Police have escorted members from the room. Well, that happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. The 45th president of the United States has been subpoenaed by the sham January 6th unselect committee for things that he had nothing to do with. What a joke. Like, it's not even funny at this point. You're just like, really? I, I just don't understand how we've gotten to this point. Well, I do understand, and I think our entire listenership does as well. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm sitting there and unfortunately watching this, uh, really can't wrap my brain around how those in Congress, you know, have allowed it to get to this point. I would be doing anything I can if I was a sitting congressperson, um, you know, trying to stop or just anything on this. Um, it's one of those things where we have seen misuse of our tax dollars, of our justice system, and now this absolute debacle and embarrassment to our democracy and republic that is this committee. I can't wait for the next 25 days to pass because when we win back the House and Senate, that thing will be officially over. Um, we, we did also learn that uh, during the committee yesterday, the U.S. Secret Service had advanced information at least 10 days prior to January 6th. That doesn't sound like them at all. Mm. Wait, why does that sound familiar? 
Well, they know now that members of the Proud Boys were collaborating to cause disturbances on January 6th. I thought it was an interesting clip. I wanted to play it for our listenership in case they missed it yesterday. Let's pause here. The Secret Service had advanced information more than 10 days beforehand regarding the Proud Boys planning for January 6th. Again, has nothing to do with Donald Trump. We know now, of course, that the Proud Boys and others did lead the assault on our Capitol building. Assault. On December 31st, agents circulated intelligence reports that President Trump's supporters have proposed a movement to occupy Capitol Hill. In particular, they flagged spikes in violent hashtags like We Are the Storm, 1776 Rebel, and Occupy Capitals. On January 5th, a Secret Service open source unit flagged a social media account on the Donald.win that threatened to bring a sniper rifle to a rally on January 6th. The user also posted a picture Never of happened. a handgun and rifle with the caption, Sunday Gun Day, providing Overwatch January 6th will be wild. Later, on the evening of January 5th, the Secret Service learned during an FBI briefing that right-wing groups were establishing armed QRFs, or Quick Reaction Forces, readying to deploy for January 6th. Groups like the Oath Keepers were standing by at the ready should POTUS request assistance. By invoking the Insurrection Act, agents were informed. As we all know now, the Oath Keepers did play a specific role on January 6th and had stashed weapons in Virginia for further violence that evening. Also on that day, the Secret Service was raiding its security precautions for the President's speech at the Ellipse the next day. A Secret Service deputy chief instructed agents to add certain objects to the list of items that would be prohibited at the rally site, including ballistic vests, tactical vests, armored or not, and ballistic helmets. Means nothing. Yeah. By the morning of January 6th, it was clear that the Secret Service anticipated violence. It felt like the calm before the storm, one agent predicted in a Protective Intelligence Division chat group. Another remarked how agents were watching the crazies on live stream. A, a group chat. <laughs> yeah. On WhatsApp. Yeah. I thought, well, believe it or not, that wasn't the biggest load of crap. Well, you probably believe it, Noah, that we heard yesterday. Apparently, um, there's some newly unreleased footage and audio uh, video of Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence, Judas, um, the old crow Mitch McConnell, blah, 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 running around behind the scenes in real time during the uh, worst thing ever if you combined mm. Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, and whatever's going on in Ukraine right now. Sounds like you're ready to hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how we can get this job done today. We talked to Mitch about it earlier. He, uh, he's not in the room right now, but he was with us earlier uh, and said, you know, we want to expedite this and hopefully they could confine it to just one complaint, Arizona, and then we could vote and, and that would be, you know, then just move forward with the rest of the state. The overriding wish is to do it at the Capitol. What we are being told very directly is it's going to take days for the Capitol to be okay again. We've gotten a very bad report about the condition like of, this, of the um, house floor with 
defecation and all that kind of thing as well. I don't think that that's hard to clean up, but I do think it is uh, more from a security standpoint of making sure Mitch that everybody's desk will never recover. The and how long will that take? I just got off with the vice president. I got off with the vice president-elect. So I'll tell you. But what we left the conversation with, because he said he had the impression from Mitch that Mitch wants to get everybody back to do it there. Yes. I said that what we're getting a counterpoint that is, it could take time uh, to clean up the poo poo that they're making all over the, literally and figuratively in the Capitol, and that uh, it may take days to get back. Mm hmm. You think, uh, you know, like if you have like a coffee table mm -hmm. and you like put like a really hot cup of coffee on it and it, it's always got that little ring kind of like, not like a ring, but like a weird, like uh steam mark. You think yeah. that's what Mitch McConnell's desk looks like in one spot. I can only hope. Yeah. You he, know, he probably got a new desk. There was also some audio. I didn't pull it because I think it's just in the worst of taste where Nancy Pelosi. Oh, she's saying she was going to punch Trump if he showed up. Punch him right in his fucking face. And I mean she's a complete embarrassment and, and an absolute criminal in every way, shape or form. Uh, up I mean, and down tr Trump's pretty lively. What do you think he would have just like Batman her hand and like, just stopped it like Bane. <laughs> I, I would only hope no one, no one cared who he was until he put on the mask. You think the poop is your friend. <laughs> <sighs> I was born in it. Listen, we have been really, <laughs> The only ones who have ever talked about the poop on Mitch McConnell's desk since the garage days. <laughs> and here we go. That's my favorite part of the insurrection. Mm, haven't heard that one in a while. Well, we did have the pundits come in uh, afterwards to weigh in on it. I, I've pulled a couple clips and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll listen to them kind of give some insight on just to what this nothing burger subpoena for Donald Trump could actually mean. Professor Emeritus at Harvard Law School and author of The Price of Principle, Alan Dershowitz joins me. Good evening, sir. And do you think that uh, the, the subpoena is a serious request for information, or is this, as the uh, chairman has said, an opportunity so that President Trump can give his side of the version, or is this a stunt or a message to American people? What is this? Well, it's the uh, unanimous opinion of a unanimously anti-Trump committee, which doesn't have a single person who would dissent from anything. This is a committee that would subpoena one of Donald Trump's ham sandwiches, to paraphrase <laughs> a judge about a grand jury, except that no grand juror would be allowed to serve if he had the same anti-Trump bias. No petty juror would be allowed to serve. This is just a kangaroo committee, and the American public should look at the documents that they've produced, but not at the conclusions they've reached. Their conclusions are tainted by, in most cases, partisanship, in cases of um, two Congress people who are Republicans but who are very anti-Trump, uh, 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 an attitude to a Trump. So nobody should take seriously any conclusions reached by the committee, but they should look at the, the data, the information, the self-proving information. That's all relevant. You know what always strikes me about this? A lot of those members up there, whether it's Adam Schiff or Liz Cheney or a lot of them, they're all, you know, many of them are lawyers. And they know, you know, evidence, and they know, you know, what's practical or what's reasonable and what's sort of show and what's sort of political. I'm always struck by the fact as they walk through the door sometime and they leave their law degrees behind in their legal experience, because it's a very different forum, and they seem, well, they, they seem to lose sight of things. 
One of them is my former student, Jamie Raskin. Adam Schiff is Larry Tribe's former student. Hmm. They know better. They yep. know that this committee, right from the beginning, had no credibility. Now, it's the fault of both Republicans and Democrats. Um, Pelosi refused to accept two Republicans who were nominated for the committee, and then the Republicans foolishly refused to nominate others. So it's both parties' fault, but the losers of the American public who were entitled to an unbiased committee, a committee like the 9-11 Commission that everybody believed had credibility. Uh, this committee, nobody reasonable, believes has credibility. Democrats support it, Republicans oppose it. But nothing should turn on any conclusions reached by these people who have made up their minds before they took a single piece of evidence. Yep, that's a, that's an excellent point, Alan Dershowitz made there. And the fact of the matter is, I don't know what the fuck it is with the production team over at Newsmax between Greta Van Susteren and Greg Kelly. Number one, you should never be writing with a Sharpie. And number two... Yeah, I was like, I thought you were making noise. I looked over like, what the fuck are you doing? Remember we had Greg Kelly on here? His audio clip like two weeks ago and the entire time Bill O'Reilly's talking... <laughs> And I'm just like, man. Yeah, get that guy like a felt tip pen or a, or a ball or a ballpoint. I mean, I use the Bannon specials. What are the Bannon specials? It's tools, but I don't I don't hook them onto my apparatus of my shirt. I'm not going to time travel, but I, I am gonna <laughs> I am gonna say you missed one in in one of our segments today, so you're gonna have to go back and find it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Easter egg. There you go. Um, I saw Bill O'Reilly weigh in on this as well, and and he was talking on uh, one of the shows yesterday afternoon. And I, I just think, like, you know, as, as we try to wrap our brains around all this, we really just have to take into context what all of these legal experts are saying. I mean, obviously, we've heard actual lawyers like Cash Patel uh, talk about it on occasion, and, you know, Devin Nunes, who is the head of the, you know, the committee chair for House Intelligence, like, I mean, obviously, all these guys do is work with lawyers and, and talk about stuff, you know, regarding legalese. And, and this is literally just a grandstanding moment to take away from the awful economic numbers that came out again. We're, we're seeing, you know, quarter four is going to be at 8.2% inflation. God awful. And then the quid pro quo Joe narrative that we're going to talk about in News 2 a little bit later regarding what happened with Joe Biden in Saudi Arabia, something that Donald Trump was allegedly impeached for regarding his phone call with Vladimir Zelensky. And uh, I don't know if we're going to hear from him too, but no, believe it or not, he was asking for money again. No. Yeah, imagine that. Um, Demanding money, probably. Let's hear Bill O'Reilly give a little bit of commentary on this whole thing before we wrap. I actually do got a special one for you. How does the January 6th committee rank as an investigation compared to many of the other great things you've covered in your career? (laughs) Well... It's entertainment, I guess, for the uh, hey Trump cadres. Uh, as far as history is concerned, it, it's nothing. Nobody will remember it. Uh, it was obviously put into place to try to come up with something to embarrass Donald Trump or ruin Donald Trump. It has failed. Um, I know what happened on January 6th. I've said it to my audience very, very clearly. Uh, January 6th committee, they don't care what really happened. All right. And I'll just give you one very clear, clear example. I was on a Chris Cuomo show last night. I don't know whether you saw it or not. And he was running wild on News Nation with, oh, oh, <laughs> now we have Ma Lago people yep. moving boxes around, okay? 
And I looked at him, I said, is this another anonymous source? Oh, yeah, it's anonymous. It's anonymous source. I think it's 585 anonymous source. Is that right? <laughs> so you remember Cassidy Hutchinson and yeah. Trump le- lurched across the limo and grabbed the Secret Service. Say, do you remember that? Right. How many Video days? Five days, page one, hysteria everywhere. Number one, it's physically impossible for anybody, any human being to do that in a presidential limo. It's just too big. Yep. Nobody could lurch across. And number two, easily ja- the January 6th committee could have subpoenaed the two Secret Service agents who were in the car. They did. They, they believe Cassidy Hutchinson, all right, believed every word she said, but to corroborate it, they bring in these two Secret Service. Nope. Didn't bring them in. Why? Because they knew it didn't happen. That's yeah. all you need to know about the January 6th committee. They're not in business to find the truth. Now, this subpoena play for Trump is going nowhere. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. He's going to not answer that thing. And they're gone. They're gone. Okay. The House will take uh, the the GOP will take the House and that'll be the end of the January 6th. A week before the election, January 6th committee will issue a report that says Trump did everything. Right. Trump was invisible. He was in the Capitol. Nobody saw him, but he broke windows. Yeah. He was going, come on in. Come on. Trump did this. He was an apparition. He did that. Yeah. That's what you're going to get a week before. But no serious person takes this committee seriously. I agree. Noah, what do you think? Yeah. Now, I sat through about two hours of it yesterday. Oof. It was awful. Mm-hmm. It, it's nothing but grandstanding. Now, I I said at the top of our cold open that I wasn't going to feed into the whole. I mean, we did confirm Mitch McConnell's desk got shit on today. Oh. Thank you. Do you want to hear Nancy Pelosi say she wants to punch Donald Trump in the face? Yes. I think our listenership does, too. It's a short clip, so hold off on the garrison. I would just like to have seen her hand shatter on his face. That would be hilarious. No, oh, no. It's, it's, it's going to be. She wouldn't even get close to him. Actually, right. she's probably got like an adamantium skeleton or something. I would come to him and punch him out. This oh, is my mom. I would pay to see I'm that. waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I want to punch him out, and I'm going to go to jail, uh, and I'm going to be happy. <laughs> I'm going to be happy. How sloshed do you? I mean, while Pearl Harbor and 9-11 and World War III were all happening, supposedly, inside the Capitol, uh, Nancy Pelosi was fucking throwing him back and saying that she wanted to fist fight Donald Trump. Hmm. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Uh, there's another pay-per-view to solve world hunger. I look at it this way. Tom Cotton, who we've all seen running around like a little girl thinking he was going to get killed. The guy's a veteran. Yeah. Uh, on January 6th. You know, what, I'll, uh, what branch was he in? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, I don't know why he just didn't go find Big Nance. They could have did a shot together. It would have probably took the edge off, and then he could have got behind her if in case any of the... Uh, the what insurrectionists? Insurrection. It's been a while. You uh, have come on. You know, we'll probably touch on this a little bit w- with our next segment. I know our listenership has really been looking forward to Patel Nunez Volume 2. Not coming in. Probably unusual steak for breakfast. We're still trying to get a beat on Cash Patel. He's somewhere between Nevada and Nashville, Tennessee right now. But uh, I think at the end of the day, we're going to be just fine. All right. Joining us first on the show today, he's a former congressman from California. He uh, spearheaded the investigation into Russiagate, blew that wide open, aged well. Currently the CEO of True Social, one of our great friends, Mr. Devin Nunes. Thanks for coming back on the show. Great to be with you. And where's Cash? He's <laughs> supposed to be on here. Cash Patel's missing in action. Oh, if anybody uh, has eyes on Cash, will you just let us know uh, 
what he's doing. Well, where, he's, he's, where he's at. I, I have a great audio clip to uh, cut and share later on True Social with some <laughs> tags. Um, no, but Congressman, how's everything going with you? I wanted to tell you congratulations. We saw in the last week not only added to the uh, Samsung store, but to, to the Google store as, as True Social bin, and I'm sure it's soaring up the charts. I've seen a lot of engagement, new followers uh, who have their accounts started in October, which means they're just getting onto the platform. So after some long, hard-fought battles, here we are, and, and we're pretty much across every, everywhere. Uh, you know, people who have cell phones can get get on the platform now. Yeah, obviously it's been a it's been a long uh, a long road to get here. Uh, thankfully, we got on Samsung Galaxy Store about two weeks ago, which was awesome. They were great to work with. It happened really quick. Uh, we've been working with Google for several months, and finally they let us on. Which you know we've built we've built our platform, you know, working uh, alongside with Rumble. It's essentially a whole new internet highway where we're the social media, social networking and communications hub of that, riding on the, the what I call the Rumble Rails, which is the Rumble Video, the Rumble Cloud, and now the Rumble Ad Platform. You know, and this is really necessary because of these big tech tyrants that are out censoring America uh, with all their woke ideas and, and everything else. Anybody they politically disagree with they cancel, obviously, most notably President Trump, but also millions of other Americans, as, as you guys well know. So uh, the only thing that we can't get around is that uh, we have to be on the Apple App Store and we have to be in the Google Play Store because those two companies really control almost 100 percent of the mobile phone market. So we have that. So thankfully, uh, Apple's been great to work with. We we worked with Google for several months, and and uh, and we're very thankful that they that they let us on the platform, uh, let us in the Google Play Store. And now you know it's in the last we've been on for I don't know thirty six hours, and we're number one in the Google Play Store. Yeah, it's, it's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I just fired up the the website for Google Google Play, and there it is. Boom. You know what? I just fired. Yeah, and, and we're number one, uh, and we're number one, but also, you know, we're only fully open now in the United States and the UK. And actually, if you're in Canada and you have an Android, you can use the Google Play Store now to get on in Canada. And we're, we're working to open it up on Apple. And then we're also uh, looking to go to the Portuguese speaking uh, countries, most notably uh, Brazil. And we're nice. testing that now. We're testing that technology now. Oh, that's going to be awesome. I mean, Everyone knows how hard you worked in Congress. You've applied the same methods, put an incredible team together. I know you said don't hype him too much, but Mateus and uh, a lot of those guys you got working behind the scenes at True Social have just been – it's like groundbreaking to see a social media platform go and take off and have so much success when everybody tries to downplay its legitimacy, its importance, like the features it has yet. Like it's still pretty much in its infancy, and, and here you go at the top of the charts. Well, it's still got better ratings than most of the other ones too. So True Social right now is running at 4.3. Instagram's got a 4.0. WhatsApp's got a 4.3, so the same. Snapchat, 4.2. Almost, yeah, they're doing good. Almost no. Well, and that and that's with all the haters going on there and giving it a, a zero or one ranking. Yeah, so exactly. That's, yep, pre so. that's pretty good. That's huge. Uh, with all with say saying that, but uh, but no, I mean, look, we're we're really. I think that's an important point you make is that we really are in our infancy. We're a startup. We are not. I mean, you you can you can now say uh, we've really only been fully open in the U.S. 
and the UK for the last 36 hours. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, because until we got in the Google Play Store, you couldn't even say that we're fully launched. So I think I can officially, I've never, I haven't said this yet, so this is probably breaking news, but you know, we're officially fully launched um, out of beta and testing. Uh, that's where that's where we are today. Uh, obviously, with just those basic features that you guys all that, that you guys are all familiar with, which is uh, just the basic timeline, the carousel at at the top, uh, and obviously with direct messages uh, in in the works, uh, and then groups following after that. But but yeah, it's nice to sit here and breathe a little bit to know that anybody I see now on the street in the airport, and I don't have to a- answer that question. When are you going to be available on Android? Why is it? Why is Google blocking you? So <laughs> finally, we're there. Well, I do have a bit of breaking news, non-related to the full-scale launch of True Social. The former chief of staff to the DOD and special assistant to Donald Trump, Cash Patel, has been located. He's actually on the phone right now. Uh, friend, are you are you okay? Can you hear us? Is it? Oh, there he is. Fake. There he is. Yeah, can you hear me? Oh yeah, loud and clear. Glad okay, yeah. Sorry, I was I was down here in Nashville with that amazing party that Devin, I'm sure, told you about at John Rich's house, Big and Rich, launching, celebrating Truth Social's dominance for launching his song Progress to number one above Beyonce and everybody else for 14 days. So he had a like a thank you launch party at his like mansion, Megapolis. It was awesome. Aaron Lewis was in the house. Tracy Lawrence. Uh, Jim Brewer, the comedian. We had John Rich. We had so many legends there. It was it was a great time. So I've been losing track of time ever since that day. Nice. Hey, we're we're glad you caught up with us, albeit a few minutes late on the show today. Uh, listen, I, I needed to ask that disco ball horse saddle that they had in there. That That's thing was epic. Yeah, it was pretty epic. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe the size of that thing. And uh, that's just know, like a drunk person challenge, though. Like, I'm gonna get yeah, on, we got to get you guys to the next shoe. John Rich party. Uh, you guys got to come to the next one. Yes, okay. please. Devin, yes. Devin, too, I hope, because uh, we'd like to hang out with him as well. Maybe, yeah. maybe he can yeah. hit up the grill yeah, for you us. Guys, it, it was, oh, it was yeah, get some Portuguese great... uh, cooking going. Well, it was, as Cash said, it was it was just such a, a, a great party. And uh, John Rich is not only a patriot, uh, but also uh, um, it, was, it, it was just, I think, a, a true gentleman – uh, move to throw a party for both true social and rumble. It was essentially a thank you party for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really from our perspective, you know, we want to thank him because not only did he write a great song, yeah. but he trusted us when everyone else canceled him, he trusted us, called me up and said, can, you know, would you guys be willing to launch this song on true social? I'll put the video up on rumble and then we'll promote it on true social and I said, of course, John. And, and I said, but what's wrong with the song? Why won't why won't the big country music stations play it? And why won't a record label sign it? What, is there something wrong with it? You know, I was thinking, what am I getting myself into here? And then he sent me the the song, and the song is called Progress. And I I listened to it, actually watched a little video. I don't know. I watched it like three or four times, and I said, wow, this is a not only is it a good song, but there's nothing wrong with the song. Yep. It's not cussing. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, so what's the problem? And I called John back. I said, I can't believe nobody will run this song. And, and obviously what it, the reason they won't run the song, the reason no record label will sign it is because it's John expressing his feelings about the state of our country right now. So hmm. even though it didn't say I'm voting for Trump or Biden sucks <laughs> 
or Republicans are great, or I'm a kid. It didn't say any of that. Nothing like that is in the song. And I think that 99% of Americans, if you're not like the people like us that sit and follow kind of news and information all day, but the average person out there is going to listen to that song. And I think it would be no different than a lot of, a lot of the singer songwriters from the sixties and seventies mm-hmm. that were fed up with the Vietnam war and the state of the country at the time. So John was, was very gracious. It was a lot of fun. And, and actually we can, we can talk about this, but John has a great idea of taking true social and rumble on the road uh, and having kind of a similar concert. So John, not only, not only did he play his song, he had other artists that were there that played like Aaron Lewis played. uh, And then Jim Brewer uh, gave just this unbelievable comedy act uh, that was super funny uh, and it was a lot of fun. So we're, we're thinking about maybe next year, uh, to go out on the road on on a free speech tour nice. with uh, Truth Social Rumble and, and and John Rich and any other patriots that want to that want to come along and maybe you know going to all kinds of different parts of the country getting out on the road. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, and, and definitely something that uh, you don't see a lot of other social media platforms really doing. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, just the way that he was treated. And it's like you said, Devin, when you listen to the song, the words of the song, it doesn't really give you any entail. It's like an audio description, uh, heartfelt way that someone who's extremely patriotic is looking at the way his country is in downward spiral right now. And uh, I think it's a great song. I think uh, you guys out there definitely looked like a whole lot of fun. And uh, we do all need well, to be together. All the, you know, all the videos are on Rumble. They're on Truth Social for everybody to see. So if you want to see Aaron Lewis perform his number one song, I'm, Am I the Only One, or Tracy Lawrence get up there, or Jim Brewer's actor, John Rich, and his band, or Jeff Steele playing. And these guys actually got up on stage and also played the song that John Rich wrote for the kids' book, The Plot yep. Against the King. It was unbelievable. I mean, and the crazy thing is I've been listening to these guys for like 20 years. I'm a big country music guy. And then I get to go to their house and meet them and hang out. And you know what? They're coming up to us and saying thank you to Devin and me and Truth Social and Rumble. I'm like, no, I'm saying thank you to you guys. I want a photo with you guys. And they're like, no, I want a photo with you. <laughs> and it was just uh, – you know, but it shows the power of Truth Social. Like who would have ever thought that? And then the next day I'm hanging out in the recording studio with Aaron Lewis just jamming. Like all of that has come to fruition because of Truth Social has put us together. And you realize there's so many patriots and so many great Americans not just in Nashville, but everywhere that wanted that platform that wanted that, you know, sort of community and camaraderie and truth just knocked it out of the park. And now that we're on the Google play store, um, you know, and I, I know you guys watch it all the time, but president Trump has been on an absolute tear on truth lately. It's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been, uh, it's been good stuff. And we're just, we just continue to smash. And, uh, it's uh, I think we got to take the stakey guys on the road next time um, and and do a little maybe live live time at our, at our next big freedom speech uh, event. I, I can be a gr- I can be a groupie or a roadie, whatever, whichever spot. <laughs> needs to be. I've been a roadie. So, yeah, yeah. I think we, I just want to party with these guys. Yeah. Now, Cash, you got a heater coming tonight. You and Jan are going to be dropping uh, a fire Ooh, podcast, yeah. uh, basically Danchenko week one in review, in addition to all the uh, analysis and breakdown that you guys do. For our listening yeah. audience, you know they're very dialed into the whole Durham investigation. We have seen the lid blown off of so much stuff that you guys originally started back with the Russiagate investigation. Uh, I, I just want to know, number one, does anything that's coming out right now, probably not, surprise you at all uh, when you're talking about like the, the money that's being offered, the play? Players that have been involved, 
everything literally is connecting back to Russiagate. And then what's your what's your hot take on on you know basically the first four days of court right now? Because uh, you know when, when you talk about John Durham, he is putting the FBI beyond under the microscope, uh, especially the last couple of days yeah. with, with uh, Agent Outen. No, it's been great. And look, to have Devin and I on the show together to talk about it, you know, Devin and I did a quick pull aside. He's like, hey, did you see this breaking news about this million dollar bounty? And I'm like, I'm like, what the F? I mean, you're talking to the guys that ran Russiagate, especially Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. We fired off 20 congressional subpoenas to the FBI, specifically asking for all source related information to Christopher Steele, all source payments, all source agreements. And I even interrogated Gata, Steele's handler. That transcript is available. Um, we've got it posted on fightwithcash.com. The guy never said one word under oath to Congress about a million dollar payout to Christopher Steele. I mean, and you asked, you know, am I floored by anything? I'm floored by not their depravity, but by the fact that they hid it from the member of the Gang of Eight and his entire select committee on Congress after being subpoenaed for that information. And it took a federal prosecutor who became special counsel to come out and say not only did they – Auten, FBI, and Chris Ray's corrupt miscreants know that the Steele dossier was total bullshit, which we proved. But they, they, the key is they knew it right before they went to the FISA court in October of 2016. And that's what we dive into tonight on Cash's Corner. And the thing that ticks me off is they, we knew they knew that the document was BS. We did not know the amount of money they were willing to t- chuck around, American taxpayer dollars, to force feed false information through the federal court system to get a secret warrant on a presidential candidate. That's how much these guys, Auten, Rosenstein, Ray, uh, McCabe, Comey, Strzok, hated Donald Trump, Lofman at DOJ and company. All of these guys that are now actually coming back around or their, or their minions are to attack Donald Trump again on whatever it is, everything from January 6th to whatever we see today. These guys would bend and break every law in the FBI source code book. They created and manufactured a fake crime. Then they went out and bought it. Then they offered more money. And here's the kicker. Christopher Steele himself refused. He turned it down. And you know why he turned down the money? Because they called him on his bullshit. And he said, well, these sources I have, you guys can't talk to him because now we know, thanks to John Durham, they're totally made up. So now we know the guy that's on trial, Danchenko, we know his corruption. We know Christopher Steele's corruption. We know the FBI's corruption. We know Adrian Auten should be fired. Why that guy's still at the FBI is something that Chris Ray has to answer for. And why are we chucking around seven-figure dollars for the confidential human source network to cover up government corruption? These guys are government gangsters at their finest. And um, that's the name of my new adult book, actually, that I, it's on pre-sale on, uh, on, on Uncle Jim's Amazon right now. But it won't come out until next year. But I call these guys out by name. Mm. And uh, we're going to keep doing that tonight. I can't wait yeah, for it. I, I mean, I'd th- only add to that on the think about the million dollar. It's essentially a bounty. Yep. And if you yep. look at other bounties that the FBI has put out in recent years, the highest one I think in history was Osama bin Laden, twenty five million dollars. Anything that's over a million dollars, and John Solomon from Just the News did this reporting, went back and looked. I think he said he went back for 15 years. There was only a few dozen of them that that were over a million dollars, and they all had to do with terrorists, terrorists that were overseas. So the fact that Steele was already being paid by the FBI and the DNC, so why would you have to pay the guy more for this? And then in addition to that, it looks like, Everyone that Steele and Danchenko were using were also had the irony of being paid by who? 
the FBI also. They were also informants. <laughs> so they're getting paid by the DNC, uh, paid by the FBI. It's all circular reporting. And they sit around, oh, we don't know anything. And, like, and Cash is right. The reason they didn't comply with the subpoenas is because they were conspiring to lie and mislead Congress, defraud the United States government. And I think what you're seeing play out, we'll, we'll continue to watch this, but it looks like Durham uh, is using this case to completely dismantle and expose the criminal activity at the FBI. And obviously Danchenko lied and he should be, you know, he should be uh, found guilty. But I think there's more afoot here. And that is that why is it that Durham has to bring and try a case like this, exposing the FBI like this, when clearly there are crimes there? I think the only answer can be that the corrupt bastards in the Biden administration from Garland on down, who, by the way, a lot of those characters were involved in this, are the ones make the decision on whether or not you could bring a conspiracy indictment against the government, former government officials, current government officials, Clinton campaign and, and other political operatives. That's what you see playing out here. I think Durham must be uh, in a very tough spot because I'm sure he's tried to bring this case and I'm sure he's being told no. And it looks like he's using this to expose the, the corruption. And and I'll tell you, I mean, every day that goes by, uh, I think the calls are going to grow more and more from the center right part of this country who see two two tiered justice system and the calls to disband the FBI are going to get louder and louder. And I think if the Republicans are lucky enough to take over Congress, they're going to have to have like the, what we had back in the 1970s, it was called the Church, the Church Commission that uh, dissected the nation's intelligence agencies uh, and led to a lot of reforms. Uh, I think it's going to be that times a hundred, because if the Republicans don't wow. do it, and if they get away with this, and they're not put under a microscope to hold people <laughs> accountable and expose this corruption further from what we did it on the on the House Intelligence Committee uh, to what Durham is doing in this trial. If you don't fully expose this out to the American public, you're going to have generations of Americans who are going to see the FBI for exactly what it is right now, which is a is a political Gestapo arm of the Democratic Party. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's like when. I best I could best describe this as like you're you're walking in a cave and you walk through a huge spider web and then you start to like wipe it off yourself and turn around and then you walk into it. <laughs> but but it's like every single spider web is is spun by the same half dozen awful actors and all of the yeah. little minions that they've had involved and it all leads back to the seventh floor at the FBI, the corrupt you know forever people who work at the DOJ and the current head of it right now and the Clinton campaign and and all the little actors and chess pieces that they were moving around the whole time. Now, Devin, you know committees. You, you've you sat on some big ones as the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, we saw yesterday, you want to talk about waste of government uh, funds and taxpayer dollars, the, the sham January 6th unselect committee nothing burger <laughs> Olympics uh, decided to subpoena Donald Trump for things he had literally physically and just anything to do with on January 6th. Uh, we, we did play some audio in our cold open today where Nancy Pelosi was uh, – complaining about someone who crapped on Mitch McConnell's desk and that she wanted to punch Donald Trump in his effing face uh, if she saw him on that day. But besides that, we also saw, you know, a whole bunch of uh, hypocritical comments and statements come out from the Secret Service regarding the Proud Boys and a whole bunch of the other, you know, whatevers that were involved that day. 
Now, now I know how you feel about the legitimacy of this committee and and where it's going to eventually go. But at a time when the you know quarter uh, the stock market stuff comes out and it shows another eight point two percent quarter of inflation, in addition to the stock market tanking f- over five percent over the course of the last week, and the pr- quid pro co Joe quid pro Joe. Yeah, with Saudi Arabia <laughs> asking him to, uh, you know, having him ask Saudi Arabia to hold off the uh, bad oil numbers that, that our gas prices are going to go up until after the midterms. All they're doing is trying to distract us away from the real issues that are affecting this country right now, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, look, the, what's that, that video was quite amazing. And if I go back to you know my time there, I had never seen it where you didn't have – fencing around the Capitol, especially getting ready for inauguration. And I was there for 20 years. There was no fencing up. So that I think was suspect. Typically before inauguration, you have at least a small national guard unit out there. There was none of that. All they had out there was a little bicycle. I call them the little, you know, look like little bicycle racks out there. So that in itself was unprecedented. Um, I also knew at least by that morning, uh, that was shared with me with 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 by the Capitol Police officers as you know, because I was the top Republican on intelligence. They said, hey, have you seen these reports? This doesn't look good. You know, and I said, yeah, I don't understand why the damn fencing's not up. It seems it seems kind of crazy. And, you know, now you see that Pelosi had her own camera crew out there. They're popping off. Um, I remember late at late at night after uh, when we when we got the floor back open and we got the uh, the voting uh, done. Um you know, the way you would hear the way you would think about this is that everybody was just so scared. Well, I actually saw the opposite at I don't know what time we got finished that night, probably 10, 11 o'clock. It was somewhere in that time frame. And I was walking off the floor and the Democrats I'm talking about Democrat members of Congress and their staff were giddy. I literally saw people high fiving, laughing about all this. So they knew that whether they knew in advance, I don't know that question. But after the fact, they knew they had one goal in mind, and that was to completely politicize this whole damn thing, uh, which I always have to go back and and remind people that there are protests at our nation's capital every single day. It's part of the bedrock of our democratic republic to be able to protest your own government. There were millions of Americans who were pissed off about the election, uh, which, you know, I think at a minimum we can all agree on that. Zuckerberg putting in $419 million into what was only about 10 states is something that has never been done before. How that was not considered a political expenditure, you know, he got to write it off as a don- as a donation, I don't know. So the fact that Americans would show up to protest their government and be pissed off about the election uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, you know, I think, I think, I think one thing, but knowing that that many people are coming in town, I've never seen it when you don't have fencing around the Capitol. Right. So it's not like the, so when I was chief of staff over at DOD and we were watching this thing unfold and I was like, where's FBI and DHS? You know, they got, how is it that the Starbucks and the Dunkin' Donuts knew to be boarded up around the Capitol a week before and our law enforcement agencies responsible for that security didn't know that. And that the answer is because they were corrupt and it's because of Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol police she led and mayor Bowser didn't want optics and they wanted to make a scene out of Donald Trump. And that's what they used January 6th for. And I asked these guys, we call the heads of the FBI and said, where's the no climb fence to protect our members of Congress and also just protect our citizenry. And they were like, uh, we don't know. We don't know where to get one. It was absurd. I literally went out in the middle of the night, bought a no climb fence 
from a couple of states over, drove it in and had the courageous National Guard stand up that perimeter. And you have to ask yourself, and those are things I've told the January 6th committee. They won't report that, but you have to ask yourself, why didn't they do it? Things like simple security features that would have prevented the entire day from going downwards. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. It's because they did. They wanted the scene and they wanted something to run on because they can't run against Donald Trump's America first priority. So, you know, it's just it's just a shocking um, but it's not even shocking anymore. It's just an expected failure from these government gangsters who think they know that they can take the country away from um, us. And, um, you know, I'm glad we're fighting back. But, you know, and, and I'm sorry, guys, but I got to jump. And I'm, my apologies. I'll come back uh, on the show soon. But uh, hanging out, uh, hanging out. You know me and scheduling. I'm an thanks, idiot. For, thanks for joining us. It's so nice of you to take some time out of your <laughs> busy a, schedule of oh my, screwing around oh in Nashville. Well, you know, some uh, of us, you know, I'm going <laughs> to. We went in for the party, we had a great time. Um, you know, it was, it was a great, you know, one night, uh, but cash just turns it into a whole week long. party for himself. <laughs> oh man. And you know what? I will say this. How cool is this? Six years later that Devin and I met during Russiagate. Then we're at John Rich's house launching this truth, social rumble celebration party. And now we're on steak for breakfast podcast. And actually, you know what I'm going to do? The next 50 people that follow steak for breakfast on truth social, I'm going to send them all signed books of the plot against the King on the house. Wow. How's that? Boom. There nice. you go. Full send. You guys tell me. You guys tell tell me who joins up, and we'll send fifty signed copies from me on the house. Cash before you before you go. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I sent this to you, but uh, it's it's in regards to January sixth. Somebody made this funny video of from yesterday. They took took (laughs) the footage and they took uh, Liz Cheney talking, all excited about subpoenaing Donald Trump, and then they brought in Kinzinger crying they made like a little thing of him like coming in and crying in the video and then you know cash has, has made up this new term for adam schiff he calls him watermelon head and somebody had this <laughs> little watermelon head like popping in and out of the video back, back and forth so it's so good you guys got to check it out That's it's brilliant. so awesome and it's all possible to, to truth social Devin, thanks so much for allowing me right, to go guys. clown thanks around in nashville the party was amazing truth social as you said is fully launched now and I'm loving to be able to say that and all the haters shutting them down. And we're actually, I'm literally registering people for True Social as we speak in Nashville. Nice. So game on. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks again. Cash, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. We'll catch up soon and uh, thanks, boys. have fun. Thanks. Oh, and I'm good. we'll see you all soon. Yep. So, so, Devin, in regards to what happened yesterday at the January 6th hearing uh, and, and subpoenaing Donald Trump, what is your opinion on where that exactly is going to go? I mean, Donald Trump had some fun with it yesterday, uh, you know, lighting them up on on his true social account. And, uh, you know, it just seems to, like, be added to the pile. We talked with uh, Christina Bob and Liz Harrington last week, and they both felt as part of, like, you know, the October surprise season. We were probably going to see some either state or federal AG or, you know, some kind of government apparatus try to throw... Uh, something at Donald Trump that, uh, you know, eventually won't stick, but uh, will steal some of the headlines away from the bad state of the nation right now. Well, let, let's talk about where it's going to go um, just politi- not p- politically, but also procedurally with the, po- with the procedures of the House of Representatives. So um, the election uh, will occur November 8th. The subpoena will be active until... January 2nd. At that time, uh, I think at noon, technically on the 3rd, I believe, it expires because it expires with the old Congress. Um, so 
so that's where this is at. Um, now, Pre- President Trump, uh, you know, I haven't talked to him about this, but of course, you know, you know, he he, he would love to just spring the spring the trap and walk in there and and, and go, you know, head to head with with Schiff and company. Um, I don't know if he's if he's actually serious. I think it would be. It's it's really unprecedented. A, a, a former president and a, or a sitting president, for that matter, have never been um, interviewed or subpoenaed uh, to an official House or Senate committee that, that that I'm aware of, and so it would kind of be an unprecedented move. Um, you know, whether President Trump, I'm sure he really does want to do it. Um, I'm not sure legally if that would be setting some other precedent for. Uh, kind of the separation of powers and, uh, you know, in the president's um, executive privilege. I, I think that might be an issue, but we'll see. Um, I'm sure he'd like to do it, um, but I haven't talked to him about it. Yeah. It, 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 like you said, it is big news. and It is unprecedented. Um, and, and I just think that, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for this Congress to be over, honest with you, which is the last thing I wanted to touch on, probably the most important thing, well, besides all the great stuff that's going on at True Social and apparently the party that's going on at John Rich's house right now that we're all missing out. Yeah, that's still, still going on. <sighs> yeah, it's just Cash there by himself now. He's just at John Rich is just continuing his, the party. Hey, text Cash, tell him to bring me a cowboy hat. There you go. I, I would like one too. <laughs> um, well, the midterm elections, Devin, I know, you know, as a former congressman and, and someone who worked with a lot of people who are still up on Capitol Hill who are out working hard, we are at that time of year uh, in, in a midterm election cycle where it is circle the wagons and all out blitz, regardless of whether or not you like the person that made it as the Republican nominee, whether they're Trump endorsed or not. Uh, it, it's, we're, we're in like a chip stacking portion uh, of heading into the uh, final 25 days now. And uh, w- whether the relationships between people who work in our government and, and you know, we're outside of the government um, system right now, for instance, like Mitch McConnell, uh, as reluctant and as abrasive as he's been with Donald Trump, we know he's still pouring money into some races and moving stuff around and has gone from like, I don't like the picks to maybe it's 50-50. And now I'm, I'm kind of focused on, you know, election day. So it seems like at least for optics, he's doing the right thing. But Kevin McCarthy and Ron McDaniel have both been hitting it hard, both with money and FaceTime. In addition to some of the usual suspects who are extremely America first, MTG, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates. Uh, we see Rick Scott out there campaigning all over the place as well. Uh, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz have been out on the road a lot. What do you think right now? I mean, the, the media has really done a great job of trying to delegitimize any kind of a referendum that's coming on this administration uh, currently in Washington, D.C. right now. They make it seem like nothing's really going to happen, maybe just flipping a couple seats and possibly keeping the Senate 50-50. In addition to that, We've seen some of the most reliable, and I say that like rolling my eyes, pollsters, but like the Trafalgar ones, just have polls where like one week it's, you know, a a Republican candidate that's up by two points and the next week they're down by 10. And it looks a lot like 2016 with the poll suppression uh, that we saw when Donald Trump was running against Hillary Clinton. Everybody can obviously remember the New York Times day before uh, the election. They had Hillary Clinton at 92 percent chance of winning the presidency. So. What do you think right now, outside looking in, probably still talking to at least some of your former counterparts or, or, or seeing them work really hard? Plus, you, you have to take into consideration the Donald Trump Save America rally circuit that's been going on. It's probably the biggest X factor in this whole election cycle. Um, how do you see us doing come November mm-hmm. 8th? Well, let me let me just put it into historical perspective from, from my point of view. So I've been around for, for essentially what I believe is going to be the third 
big wave, red wave that we've seen. So I actually got my start in 1994 as Pete Wilson running for governor. I was his in, out in California and I was his, uh, his campus volunteer chairman for Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where I was going to school in, in, in 1994. And now that consisted of, you know, putting up signs and parking cars at fundraisers and that sort of thing. Um, but it's how, it's how I got my start. And at, at that time, if you look back, no one thought we could win, right? We had not held, uh, you know, we had only, the Republicans had only held the house for like a, a short term, like in the 1940s. But since 19, I think from 28 or 30, essentially to 94, Democrats had full, full control uh, in uh, in Washington, at least in the House of Representatives, um, I think during the Reagan years, the the Senate might have just flipped to like fifty one forty nine. I don't remember the exact numbers in the in the early eighties. But in nineteen ninety four, nobody gave us a chance. You had Newt Gingrich, John Boehner, all of these guys out there, contract with America, and 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 a lot of people ran. And if you remember, we you know everybody woke up on election day. People thought that we might win. You know, the, the Republicans, you know, might kind of hold their own, pick up some House seats, pick up the Senate seats. No one thought we were going to win. And people became congressmen that didn't even spend a dime. People became in the in the Congress and state races and that sort of thing. So then I was also around and uh, in, in working on candidate recruitment, raising money. I was in the House of Representatives in 2010. And, you know, we we took that. Uh, very seriously, and we tried to get as as many good candidates as we possibly could get uh, across the board. But I think a lot of people didn't believe we could win in 2010. A lot of folks, all the all the betters, were saying, "Well, the Republicans will pick up some seats, but they're they're not going to win the the House and Senate, but they might have a chance to do it in 2012." Well, we got the largest majority uh, that we had that we had seen since in in the last hundred years, and once again. You had candidates there who were, uh, I think, shocked that they won. They didn't spend any money. Nobody, they weren't even on the radar, and, the, and, and they won. Not as many as 94. Now, this year what I've seen uh, is that um, we have amazing candidates. You mentioned Kevin McCarthy. I've, I've known him for, for 30 years. Um, he is, you know, he is, you know, his best attribute is he understands the wills and working wills of, of winning political races. Uh, he's been recruiting candidates for, for many, many years, even before he was in, in, in Washington. When he came to Washington, he quickly became our recruitment chair. Uh, and, and so he knows all of these districts like, like nobody else knows them. And I will tell you, being there in the first, in, in 2021, before I left to, to come and run True Social, we had an amazing crop of candidates, including in some cases, we had races that are very, very tough where we had two or three really good candidates uh, in the race. And I think you for sure saw that in the Senate races uh, where we had two or three good candidates in, in every Senate race. Now, yep. look, I, I don't know what the hell McConnell was talking about, you know, uh, 30, 40 days ago, and he was kind of complaining about his, uh, his candidates because I've never seen candidates like this, I mean, as someone who's been been around politics for so long, I mean, you take somebody like Herschel Walker, um, that's a guy that we tried to recruit for many, many years to run 
for, for Congress. So he's a blue chip candidate. Now, look, you start going through the machinery. People come and they dig up dirt on you. You got to deal with that. But every candidate, you know, everybody has, you know, sub, sub, you know something that uh, th- that can be turned by one to make it make it look not very good. But to say that Herschel Walker is not a blue chip candidate is absolutely in, in, insanity. Uh, I think if you look at the Pennsylvania race, you had two or three good candidates there. Um, you take somebody like Dr. Oz, who probably isn't as, as conservative as, as as I am or what many people want him to be, but he's the type of candidate that you always want in a very tough state, somebody to, who has name recognition, who is telegenic, uh, who people know, he's got star power. Those are typically candidates that you always want to recruit. Um, and and they always tend to do pretty well as long as the, as they have a good campaign team. Now, coming through that brutal primary is is tough. You take J.D. Vance, Blake Masters, two young guys, tech guys, um, who who are I think I think great candidates. So so in the House, I know that they have a, a tremendous slate of candidates. In the Senate, I believe that to be the case too. Uh, a lot of gu- gubernatorial candidates look look really really good. And I'll just finish with this that. You know, true social, I left Congress because I saw what happened after 2016, understanding that we are in a, a propaganda war is being waged so that the left in this country can keep and hold total control and total power. Yep. And they're using, it's bad enough that they have the fake news, 95%, which is fake news. But when you run it through social media, through these social media giants, what actually gets out to the everyday American, it's very hard for that 5%, those people that are out doing real investigative reporting, trying to report on the Hunter Biden laptop from hell, trying to report about all Biden's gas. They get suppressed. They get hidden. That's part of what the left, they control the media. They control these, these big giant tech companies. It's why we went out and created this new internet superhighway so that we cannot be canceled, so that we cannot be suppressed, so people have a right to free speech. That's why I left Congress to make sure that we got this open. And that's why, you know, here today, like I said, we're finally fully open. And, and that was the goal. So that so that these, you know, little videos and gaffes of 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 Biden and others can be exposed. Um, also, I will say that, look, it can also expose Republicans. Right. We just want to be a place where people can go and express their political beliefs and opinions and also share their artwork, share their music like John Rich. We're going to open this internet back up. We're going to be uh, the place I think uh, ultimately people are going to flock uh, where they can actually express themselves either artistically or politically or just to go go and meet people. And so there's no amount of propaganda. Thank God we're up with opening the internet back up to give the American people their voice back. But I'll tell you, the left just has one big problem, guys. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, all the propaganda in the world, all the tech tyrants in the world, all the fake news in the world can't make up for $7 gas and homeless zombies walking all over the place yep. and waves of crime and the groomer nonsense that you see in the schools. Uh, they have just went so far, so extreme. That stuff just can't be hidden anymore, no matter how much control you have. If you go totally batshit crazy, people are going to see it. They're going to know it. And that's what happened to them. They went past full tilt. And now, even though they control, they have such a, a stranglehold over over uh, how 
information gets delivered in this country, it doesn't matter because everybody's got to fill up their car with gas. And I, I literally just paid when I was back in California, six seventy a gallon uh, for gas. I, I went to, I actually came out here to, uh, well, went to Nashville and then came to our headquarters in Sarasota now. And I was, I was surprised. I said, man, are you sure the gas is only three sixty? And the, <laughs> and the guy, and the guy said, Oh, that's, that's higher than L for here. But, uh, but anyway, it's, um, it's quite something. No, it certainly is, Congressman. We, we really appreciate you, you taking time out of your busy schedule. You've been doing a lot of traveling. And then with the full launch and, and, and you know, everything going on Truth Social, we, we, we understand this is one of the busiest times in, in both politics and people who support it with things like your, your social media company right now. Uh, as we hit the, you know, home stretch here for the midterm elections, you made some excellent points there, talked about the blue chip candidates across the board, whether it be in the House, Senate or in the gubernatorials. And, and I like that you mentioned Blake Masters and, and J.D. Vance, because when you talk about blue chips like Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker, uh, but then you look at debates that have already happened with people like Blake Masters and J.D. Vance, they took sitting senators to task and embarrass them on a lot of points based off of where do they align up with the current regimes ideologically and uh, what their voting record is. Like you could say you support borders and, and want safe streets and, and don't want to do nasty things to your kids in school. But then you look at the bills that they all voted for. And it's like that that's the, the you know blueprint for what all of these people who actually get the opportunity to debate in this midterm election cycle need to use. And, and it seems to work as well. We saw Tudor Dixon more recently do it last night with Gretchen Whitmer. It wasn't as action packed as some of the other debates have been. But every time Gretchen Whitmer, you know, put her record out there, Tudor Dixon reminded everybody of the, or, you know, of the things she voted on. And I, I think that's really great. And um, we'll be looking to circle back with you after the midterms. And, and you know, we're going to continue to follow and obviously share true social suggest, uh, success. We're obviously going to be, uh, I guess, giving out 50 copies of the Plot Against the King autograph today, probably 51 because we want one. And uh, but besides that, we uh, really appreciate you taking the time. If you want to give yeah, us your abs true abs yeah, I would just say, too, that um, you've talked about these great Senate candidates. Those are the races that everyone is watching. But, you know, we're starting to see other races come into view that no one would have thought would have been in view. And that would have meaning in view of, 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 of polling that appears to be tightening. And I think that's a bad sign. Uh, for the for the leftists in this country. And I would look at states that appear to be closing the state of Washington, yep. um, uh, where we have a very good can Republicans have a good candidate there. New Hampshire, Connecticut, you know, those are three states that um, if I think if you look at Lee Zeldin, uh, who's running for governor, my former colleague running for governor in New York. I mean, he's you've got polls there that show him within two points, five points. Um, I think you know, if 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 Lee Zeldin gets within two or three points in New York, I think you're going to see a, a massive, massive wave. And if he wins, I think it's going to be even bigger than we think. So I guess we'll come on. Uh, we'll come back on the show and and, and see uh, see who is right here. No, I like it. We're in agreement with you there. Leora Levy and Don Boldock have both been on the show, and they're both coming back in the next week as we get ready to hit the uh, midterm elections here. Devin, what's your handle on True Social? We'll live link it in the show description today, obviously with the uh, links to the stores as well for everyone that's clicking on the show and wants to sign up that's not registered already. Yeah, it's very, very, it's very, very uh, high tech. It's at Devin Nunes. You got that, Noah? Oh, hold on. Let me write that down. Okay. That's why you're the best engineer in the got game. It. So, no, Congressman, we appreciate it. And like I said, we'll be looking to circle back after the midterms with both you and Cash and because we always have such a great time. And uh, we're going to have to have a barbecue in our future as well. This is the former Congressman from California, Chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, one of our great friends, CEO of True Social, Mr. Devin Nunes. Thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast.
Great to be with you guys. Take care. Joining us next on the show today, he is the founder and publisher for The National File. Uh, been looking to sit down with him for quite a while. We've got some great topics to talk about. Noel Frisch, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, happy to be here, guys. Thanks so much. No, it's our pleasure. How's everything going with you on your end? You guys have been doing some great work, always comprehensive down at The National File. I've been a huge fan for a long, long time, and uh, great to finally sit down with you to talk about some of the uh, heaters that have been coming down the pike lately. Yay, thanks so much. So we launched uh, in August of 2019, and uh, just about the last month or two here, um, as the uh, founder and publisher of National File, I decided to step out uh, publicly um, to start telling some of our story. Uh, web print is, of course, uh, you know, as we were talking off air, a little bit of an outmoded uh, medium now, and uh, but still very vital, in my opinion, that we get all those receipts uh, down on paper, static. Um, I know video and audio is super, super popular, but we, we, like, you know, uh, our fellow friend Bannon talks about, look, we bring the receipts every yep. day and we've done a lot of that and we're still doing it. And right now we're like one of the only places on the whole internet you can go read the actual Ashley Biden, Ashley Blazer Biden diary in all 112 pages up on nationalfile.com. Now, that's one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about. You guys were way ahead of the curve before it got into, you know, before Julie Kelly or Tucker Carlson or anybody was talking about this. You guys were putting it out there. And, uh, you know, it was one of the things that uh, when you start to look through some of the pages and some of the things that, that, you know, we see in that diary, it's probably ridiculously disturbing beyond comprehension that supposedly the president of the United States partook in, in, in a lot of these uh, nefarious things that went on there. When you guys were breaking this story and probably getting a lot of pushback from every angle possible, what were some of the things that did, just blew your mind that you knew the American public needed to see? Well, yeah, first of all, you put your finger on it there with this uh, language that Ashley used to describe uh, the abuse that essentially drove her into uh, just like a life of degeneracy, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and really like it sounds almost like a, it's a sex addiction that she has yep. uh, from a very, very young age, like before she can even really recall very much. And then by the time she's, you know, seven, she's talking about doing horrible. And if there's kids in the car, uh, parents, you might not want to have them listen to this part of the, the show. Um, I'm, I'm aware of that as a dad of young boys, but um you know, she's just hypersexualized. She's showing herself uh, to people everywhere she goes. Um, she's and she's trying to, as an adult woman who wrote this, we call it a diary. I think the proper term or better term is probably journal, yeah, uh, rather than diary because uh, it, diary almost makes light of the, the issue, like it was little or it's an old thing she wrote a long time ago. Maybe she made it up. No, she wrote this when she was 38, 39, 40 year old woman, um, trying to uh, cope and and get through her issues as an adult uh, uh, female. So, um, yeah, she says in there, and I want to make sure I get these quotes right, something along the lines of, you know, was I molested? I think so. Talking about taking showers, in, not appropriate showers, quote, with her dad at the age of eight years old. Oh. Uh, I don't know any dads who take showers with their eight-year-old daughters. I don't know any. I, I've, I've asked, I've talked to, I, I have a lot of, I go to church, you know, I've got dad friends and I don't myself have any daughters. So I've asked, I'm asking them um, and I have sons, you know, and you know what? We come in in the house dirty and you know what? Mom's like, Hey, hit the showers and we hit the showers. Yeah. But you don't do that with a daughter. No. Um, and so I've learned a lot. There's a ton that had to, we could talk for a long time about how we got the diary, how I essentially had to veritas veritas to get the diary <laughs> guys. 
Um, you got, I haven't told anybody else that phrase on air. You're the first people I've said that to. I like it. Um, and uh, it's true. Sadly, uh, Mr. James O'Keefe decided to uh, – uh, I'm not going to accuse him here of lying. Uh, I, people will have to decide that wherever they have to decide that, listeners and courtrooms or whatever. But uh, he said that it wasn't verified. Well, that's false. Um, it was verified. Uh, his team, some of your listeners might be familiar with the idea that uh, James gets his whole gang around a conference room table and they get the speaker phone out and they put it on speaker and they call up the target of their investigation and they get on the phone and James has some witty one-liners that a writer wrote for him. And then he, so they did this to Ashley Biden. Okay. They talked to Ashley Biden on the telephone. She confirmed that the diary was hers and this is how the New York times knows that it's real because they have the video of James O'Keefe talking to Ashley Biden on the phone. Yep. Um, and of course, so national file breaks that story with the great Patrick Howley. Uh, Patrick Howley is a great reporter. He's got a ton of big scoops. Um, I highly recommend everybody follow Patrick on gab. Uh, I don't think Twitter allows him to exist there anymore. They're trying to deperson him, but he's on gab. Patrick breaks the story, October 24, 2020. Uh, we break the diary two days later in its entirety. Um, and then uh, about a year later, early November 2021, of course, there's this raid of James O'Keefe and then two of his staffers. And all of us in National File, we're jumping up and down saying, hey, it's legit. We're vindicated. The thing is real. And, of course, we knew it was real the whole time. Mm-hmm. We'd done our homework. And uh, we had multiple sources inside of Veritas that were confirming to us that it was real and that it had been verified. Um and including our, our whistleblower. And so then fast forward, New York times confirms it even further later in March, 2022. Um, so the thing is real. Here's the deal. The thing is real. And then just a couple of weeks ago, you have Joe on stage saying I was 30. She was 12. Uh, you know, it's just so cringe. Yep. It's yeah. just, it's, it's beyond disgusting. This thing is legit. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that more conservative news outlets are not picking this thing up. Guys, I thank you guys for doing it. It is, it's almost like the third rail. For some reason, Conservative Inc. won't talk about the Ashley Biden diary. I'm hoping some other folks will listen to this show and maybe pick up. I know there's a lot of folks who listen to you and like to cover what you cover. Yeah, I mean, it's like you you see it come in and out of the legacy media news cycle as like just a little, oh, yeah, and this. You, you hear it up on Capitol Hill every once in a while. They'll be referencing, you know, things that need to be investigated, and you'll, you'll have somebody in the House of Representatives mention it as, as a future possible investigation, but never really any comprehensive, like, you know, disclosure for the American public besides what you guys have done and what everybody else has tried to do to debunk it, which actually continues to legitimize uh, its its reality and the importance of it. I think that, uh, you know, you, you can't take into comparison the things that are in there. And then when you see how it's all connected and that whole that man, that is one of the most dysfunctional families probably in the history of our country and they're pretty much be i mean granted puppet masters but you know technically at the steering wheel and 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 holding the nuclear codes right now you got everything from when joe biden's wife and 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 other kids originally died to you know that whole backstory with his wife that he's married to now and then between ashley and hunter you've got just a recipe for disaster when you see how much joe biden has uh you know degraded over the years well and i one of the subtext stories that um, all of your listeners I'm sure are aware of, or of course has to do with, you know, essentially Hunter having been blackmailed for all of his crazy behavior, yep. who knows what other behavior that, 
you know, the deep state, the central Intel have on Joe. Okay. Um, they all certainly have the um, info on him almost certainly. Right. And, and then there's this other microcosm blackmail kind of going on. Everyone's looking around, scratching their heads saying, how on earth is it possible that Hunter leaves this laptop with John Paul over in uh, uh, Wilmington, Delaware. And then the, the, a year later, uh, Ashley does the same thing with her diary down in a flop house, uh, trying to get, trying to dry out down in Florida, Delray beach. What's going on here, guys, I'm here to tell you right now, obviously it's their little insurance plan that they, they released. And you have two kids here whose growth is so stunted hunters in his fifties now or whatever he is. And, uh, uh, poor Ashley is about 40 now, I guess. And they're essentially acting like a little nitwit, twit, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old uh, teenage little brats mm-hmm. holding their parents hostage for a little bit of allowance. And you know what the parents are doing? They're paying out the hush money allowance. Yep. That's what's going on here. Yep, they certainly are. And uh, it's one of these things as we, uh, you know, it's like you said, we hope now that this is continuing to get out there and you guys stand by, obviously, your work, of course. Uh, maybe when we get a new Congress and we have some more people in there that uh, actually have a spine and want to do some investigations, this will be parlayed into some of the stuff they do when they you know, continue to deconstruct the uh, Biden crime family. I do want to segue, though. We do do a lot of politics on this show, and the midterm elections are something of importance. I think one of the greatest races that we follow throughout the course of this campaign is the Arizona senatorial where you have uh, the Trump-endorsed uh, challenger Blake Masters up against the incumbent uh, Mark Kelly. You guys have had some pretty good receipts on Mark Kelly as well uh, over the years, and uh, I think our listenership would be really interested to know on some of the stuff you've worked on regarding him. Yeah, this is another uh, Patrick Howley hit. Um, Howley, the day before he breaks the, the Ashley Biden diary back in October, broke uh, the Mark Kelly um, evidently dressed up like Hitler in his yearbook while he was a student at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, Oof. which is where all a lot of deep staters go to college so that they can train for their deep careers in the deep state, uh, making money with government contractors like like his uh, his classmate, Jennifer Boykin, who now runs the uh, shipbuilding jobs program down at Norfolk Beach. She was in she posed in this picture with uh, evidently Mr. Mark Kelly. Um, she's dressed as a crayon. Everybody can go to nationalfile.com and look up uh, Mark Kelly. And he's dressed as uh, Hitler, uh, uh, allegedly, and uh, <laughs> it looks just like him. Uh, I know this is a, an audio-only platform. Um, uh, there have been some some other outlets that have put together some montages that uh, almost beyond every shadow of a doubt prove that the gentleman who is dressed as Hitler in the yearbook is also uh, the gentleman also known as Mr. Or Mrs. Mr. Gabby Giffords. The senator, current sitting senator in Arizona, yep. wow. uh, Mark Kelly. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, it's funny. Uh, some of your listeners will have heard of a big time Soros funded uh, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton law firm called Perkins Coie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean, Sean Hannity in all of his inanity is always talking about Perkins Coie because if you watched Sean Hannity today in 2022, it's the same show that he ran in October of 2017. Yep. Um, and so. Anyway, uh, sorry, Sean. Um, so Perkins Coie, Perkins Coie, bleach bit, bleach bit, hammers and iPads. Um, you just heard every episode of Sean Handy for the last five years. Um, we, we, we call them boomer sweats on here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to know you guys share my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but, but, but yeah, the, um, 
Hannity, Perkins Coie sues National File almost immediately after we broke that story. And uh, being the little upstart ragtag group we were, we were like, ah, crap. We're like, you know, we soiled ourselves just a little bit, maybe touched cloth, but uh, (laughs) moved past it quickly and and got our uh, ducks in a row. We funded uh, the defense of our our, um, uh, the suit against us and come to find out Mark Kelly doesn't want to go into discovery. And he and his attorneys at Perkins Coie file their own motion to dismiss their own lawsuit, uh, which the lawsuit claimed, of course, that he didn't dress like Hitler. So they dismissed the lawsuit that claimed that Mark Kelly didn't dress like Hitler. And that is a fact. I can say that on the radio without fear of any uh, legitimate legal repercussions. So it looked like they just tried to bully and intimidate you based off the uh, size and legitimacy of their, you know, legal apparatus. And, you know, it's one of those things where as soon as it's like, you know what, we're going to grassroots fund this thing. Let's take it to court. Let's see what happens. If we're wrong, I guess we'll pay. I don't think we're wrong. That's him in the picture. And they're like, "Mm, did we say Sue? We meant scare. And we're just going (laughs) to leave it at that. So, yeah. That was the goal. They wanted to soak us. It was a little bit of lawfare and uh, we had a a, a little bit more wherewithal than I think that they were prepared for. And uh, we beat that back. So uh, now again here, there's very few outlets out there who are willing to touch this story. um, Even though we're in the home stretch here in Arizona uh, with this election last three and a half, four weeks or so. Uh, And uh, this story, look, all the soccer moms in the Phoenix area, they're not going to vote for this guy if they no. see a, a billboard of him dressed as Hitler up on a billboard because, you know, it looks just like him. He's got the same sideways mouth. He's got the same horrible hairline already at the age of 22. He's, he's obviously going bald just like Mr. Mark Kelly did. Um, it, it looks just like him. Um, if it's not, maybe it's the twin brother, the guy who actually went, flew up to the ISS and, and lived in space for a year. Mm. Um, it could be maybe, but that guy went to a different school. He didn't go to the Merchant Marine Academy. Right. So – the funny thing, nobody has stepped up and said, yeah, that was me dressed as Hitler. Nobody. No, I mean, it, it's one of those things. And it's sad because we talk about how god-awful and crappy the legacy media is. They'll run around and throw up a blackface picture of Justin Trudeau every time they want to make a point and, and, and dunk on him a little bit. But they won't take something that's like, and, and you know how it goes, the people who are at the highest levels of, of telling people what to do with these legacy media outlets are just saying, like, you want to know what? This guy's Trump endorsed. I'm not a huge fan of Donald Trump, so we're not going to talk about Blake Masters' senatorial uh, adversary and challenger here. So it, it's yeah. just a shame that we we have such a double standard and it goes along the board you might not even like even think to connect those things but when you look at it that's literally what it is i mean i've seen jesse waters tucker carlson sean hannity and laura ingram all open shows and cold open with justin trudeau and blackface but here you got someone who's a sitting senator that that dressed up like hitler and and is running in a race right now where it hasn't even been talked about so i think it's an absolute joke what they do and uh speaking of jokes that the that the media does and and a lot of taxpayer dollars that are wasted i do want to touch on this thing you know we talked about it a little bit offline and it's in regards to one of the counter narratives to the sham January 6th unselect committee uh, regarding the Oath Keepers. You want to let our listenership know what you guys have been working on about that? Sure. One of our uh, crack reporters over at National File, uh, Frankie Stocks, um, he's a guy, actually, uh, Bannon's had him on uh, three or four times here just in the last couple of weeks because he's breaking news all over the place. Mm -hmm. Frankie's really hustling. Um, It has a story uh, up on National File. It's been there a week now, just just went up. Um, National File obtained an FBI uh, document. It's a, it's an FBI summary of an interview with this uh, 
leftist communist celebrity cop called Harry Dunn that the left has turned into like their uh, the the supermen of police. The, the left hates cops except for when they lie against oath keepers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So they have Harry Dunn here, and um, Harry is the guy who's carrying all the J six lies. Well, Harry told the FBI under oath in a, in an interview uh, with the FBI that uh, the Oath Keepers were defending him on J6. This is what Harry told um, the, the FBI. And it, it just throws the whole thing out. It destroys the entire J6 narrative. Here are these Oath Keepers. They're supposed to be the quote-unquote domestic terrorists, okay, actually defending the Capitol Police, defending the actual police in specific who are throwing them all under the bus. Yep. Yeah, I bet you they didn't know that that uh... – when those instances were happening in, in places uh, in and around the Capitol on January 6th, I'm pretty sure that the Oath Keepers didn't think that it would eventually get to where it was yesterday, where Adam Schmidt was uh, basically providing Secret Service testimony that they knew well in advance, up to 10 days in advance, uh, that the Oath Keepers were planning on being present on January 6th and then <laughs> disclosed a whole bunch of the stuff that they were able to seize and, and probably the unconstitutional raids and detentions and, and you know, coercion of those people that have been in detention. Well, I mean, you know, we talk about it all the time. Cynthia Hughes, the founder of the J6 Freedom Project, in addition to a lot of the, uh, you know, legal experts who, who have represented January 6ers, uh, you know, frequent this show and they all talk. There's almost 900 people nationwide who have been detained and an overwhelming majority of them haven't been charged yet. And, yep. uh, you know, you're, you're talking about getting into this whole murky mess of this committee right now. And it seems like they just want to run it. I mean, it's definitely doesn't mean anything at this point, but, but the fact of the matter is, is that you have people that are going to win civil suits, the likes we've never seen when this is all over. I don't care what anybody says. Like at the end of the day, if you want to detain somebody for three years and not charge them and then say, you want to know what trespassing is going to be like $900 fine. Enjoy the rest of your life when you don't have one anymore. I really do feel that once we get some, uh, I, I feel like Merrick Garland's number one, going to get impeached after the midterm elections. And then, you know, number two, uh, we're going to see some ridiculously big lawsuits, even from people like the Oath Keepers that, that probably have some legitimate cases involved in all that. Yeah, I think they do. And there's this whole uh, debate around, you know, which of the um, Oath Keeper members maybe had been sort of like infiltrators uh, sent in by the feds. Um, you know, the the fact that they're talking about uh, the, the reality that they knew, oh, we knew they were coming, you know, and they sprung this trap on them um, starts to lead us down the path where our nation finally might start to get in drips and drabs uh, the real story about what actually happened on January the 6th. Um, you know, they, the feds came to my house and, and bothered me and my, my family. I, I wasn't home. They, they, uh, it was just a couple of weeks after J six and yep. my wife was pregnant and, uh, they, they harassed us. Um, and I just said, look, I'm on Twitter. Feel free to ask any questions right here, you know? Um, and I never heard a word since. Um, and yeah, look, I don't know. Have you guys had Jake Lang on the show? No, we haven't. Uh, I assume you're familiar with who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, he, he's a guy who, is at the forefront of really trying to help organize defenses for a lot of these poor souls who have been essentially thrown into uh, this this BS system. He, he taught me a new term yesterday. It's called administrative segregation. I don't know if you guys have heard this term. Hmm. Uh, basically, it's a legalese term that they use. Uh, it's an Orwellian uh, phrase to describe uh, the whole, basically, a, a solitary confinement. Hmm. Okay. 
And so a lot of these guys have for this, you know, a year, a year and a half, two years and almost now have been in uh, solitary confinement, but they just say, oh, you're being administratively segregated or they're using the COVID excuse to say, oh, we're going to throw you in the hole, basically. And they don't have any time to, to get with their attorneys. They're not being given that time. They, the, the list of you guys should talk with Jake Lang and, and, and National File is going to be, of course, uh, doing that. And there, there's just uh, there's so much work there. As you mentioned, there's so many of those victims um, and from your lips to God's ears, you know, hopefully, God willing, there will be some justice, especially now that we're seeing billion dollar uh, verdicts out of places like uh, crazy Connecticut against a guy who literally didn't even utter one of these uh, poor victims names. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that's another story. It certainly is, and, and I would not be like to be the host, founder, and CEO of InfoWars right now, in Oof. case you were wondering. But, you know, it, it, it's crazy. The, the world we live in and the times we're going through right now, and I just think that uh, it's people like you who are on the grounds. Uh, you know, you guys may consider yourself you know, ground roots or just print, but the stuff that you guys do is comprehensive, and it's, you know, just as important as anyone else that's out there. And I think... Uh, the best part about it is usually you guys are miles ahead of the narrative, and that's why I've always been a fan and, and will continue to be one. And I think this is hopefully, you know, the start of something. We wouldn't mind having you back at least once a month just to talk about some of the great things you guys are working on over there, and I'm pretty sure our listenership would love to hear it. Hey, thanks so much, guys. It's nationalfile.com, nationalfile.com. Uh, great guys over there, Frankie Stocks, Patrick Howley, uh, Paul O'Bear. And be on the lookout for some new video content coming from us too. National File Tonight, a nightly news program as well. We'll be sharing it, of course, on our social medias. This is the founder and publisher at the National File, Noel Frisch. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. For one issue impacting every American family. House Republicans, we have unveiled our commitment to America because the American people know that single party Democrat rule has failed, but they also need to know what House Republicans tend to accomplish if and when we are in the majority. Top of the list is an economy that's strong. That means immediately stopping the trillions and trillions of dollars of reckless spending that has gone out the door, uh, that has fueled this inflation crisis. So bringing the budget back to balance and putting an absolute stop to those reckless spending bills that have occurred under Nancy Pelosi's leadership. That's point one. Point two is there's an important energy piece to this, Larry. Mm. We have seen Joe Biden essentially do everything he can to crush American energy independence. House Republicans have bills that are ready to move. Unfortunately, Nancy Pelosi hasn't brought them up, but we will, to unleash American energy independence, to lower the price of gas, lower the price of utilities, lower the price of home heating. But this is a historic inflation crisis, and the American people are smart. They know it's because of Joe Biden working with Democrats in the House and the Senate. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, we talked about it, touched on it a bit in our cold open. Uh, the fact of the matter that that 8.2 inflation rate is here to stay, it looks like. And uh, that was Elise Stefanik, the chairwoman of the House Republican Conference, you know, joining Larry Kudrow on his show on Fox Business yesterday to talk about these alarming numbers that came out. We saw another huge percent of the actual uh, stock market just evaporate this week. We are up over $12 trillion in American wealth loss. And I'm going to pull it up right now. You know, it's pretty funny. Uh, I shared the article yesterday about the inflation numbers and, and how it's affecting the stock market. And someone actually got into our comments on True Social and was like, holy shit, that's got to be a lot of border walls. So I, I gave them the equation for it, and they actually broke it down for us. And I can tell you how many border walls worth of American wealth we've evaporated since Joe Biden has been into office right now. Mm. And uh, and I'm, I'm going to give credit to the person where the credit's due as well. It's just, 
you know, that's what I love about our listenership. They hear for the little things that we think is funny or just like little niches in the show. And then they take it and, and turn it into things that, you know, give it a really sad sense of reality mm. about. So, I mean, it was, it was just absolutely ridiculous where it is. There's been so many memes of the entirety of the stock market this week where the whole thing is red. Joe Biden taking selfies in front of it. Kamal Harris saying, we did it, Joe. And, uh, you know, if I didn't share that meme video of Donald Trump's face on Dave Chappelle's body pleading the <laughs> fifth, then I'd probably be able to find this a little bit faster, but I am going to get to it. But I just think that, you know, w- when you look at it, it I-, I can only imagine how in, in other parts of the country, uh, you know, where the cost of living or the wage rate isn't as high as it is in places like, you know, California and Florida and Texas and stuff like that, how hard are, are these people just hurting and, uh, you know, hardworking blue-collar American families, just I can't even begin to think about, you know, the amount of things that are going on in their lives that they just can't be a part of anymore, whether it's like their kids' sports, family vacations, or just simple food items that, you know, are usually staples in the house and, and the parents can't provide for anymore. So... Indiana Zoomer, MAGA Zoomer, mm-hmm. at MAGA Zoomer. Follow her on True Social. She's she's an absolute delight. Um, so she, she got into it for us, and, and I shared the article, and, and it was basically this. This is what the stock market looked like at close yesterday. Oof. And it just says the S&P 500 falls to its lowest since 2020 after another hot inflation report, 8.2%. The NASDAQ is down 35% in the first 195 trading days of 2022. Worst start in American history. And the stock market losses have wiped out $12.5 trillion of America's wealth since Joe Biden took the oath of office. She asked, and I told her the equation, it's simple. You have $3.5 billion per border wall divided by negative $12.5 trillion American wealth. Mm. 3,571.42 border walls worth of American wealth have been erased from existence. Say again? 3,571.42. So 3,571 and a half border walls have been erased in American wealth since Joe Biden took office, equaling $12.5 trillion, Yeesh. to say the least. And, uh, you know, even fake news CNN has got on board with this. While the January 6th committee was going on— Wait, and CNN's uh, equating uh, money to border walls now? Not yet, but <laughs> um, listen— the first person that does it, yeah, we'll be able to hang our hats on that. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, though, during one of their news breaks, they if you guys know anybody that works for CNN, you know, you can plant the seeds. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they, they cut in to talk about these numbers and, and had a panel on, but this guy is, is literally talking about the January 6th committee and the inflation numbers while the committee's going on. I thought it was pretty good, so I pulled it. Let's hear it. The top issue for Americans at this point, and who is trusted on that? The top issue for Americans at this point is not the January 6th committee hearings. It is not Donald Trump. It's inflation, according to 33% of Americans. That is the top issue. And who is trusted more on the issue of inflation? The margin right here is absolutely huge. Republicans are trusted over Democrats by 19 points. And that is why, at this particular point, Republicans still lead on that generic congressional ballot. Yep, they certainly do. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things in 25 days from today, Friday, October 14th, we'll head to the ballot box and, and hopefully referendum this entire administration with uh, resounding wins in the House, Senate and in the governor's races. So, OK, we, I want to apologize because we've been a little light on the garrison button today. Yeah. Not, not saying that Noah's preoccupied or anything. We just haven't had anything garrison worthy. But uh, 
I do I do have some clips from KJP. Oh, that'll that'll do it. Yes. If that doesn't do it, nothing will. Well, she was asked yesterday at the White House press conference if Joe Biden bears any responsibility for the inflation uh, when contrasted to his policies. Her answer probably won't surprise you. Direct, yeah, I'm yep. the director of research with their report, their global report came out. He said that the three largest economies in the world, the U.S., China, and the Eurozone, will oh, stall will stall next year. And so I'm wondering if the president bears any responsibility with his policies for the inflation and, and what they're calling a stalling economy. Well, okay, we got to step back here and look at what the president walked into here, right? When you think about the, the best economy the, 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 ever. We've been yeah. here for about 20 months. When he walked in, businesses were closed. Don't Small take businesses off. were closing down. Oh. Schools were not open. Oh. And we were... In a in a pandemic during a pandemic or at the beginning of a pandemic where thousands of people were dying, that's what the president walked into. Thousands? What he did is put Doesn't forth like the American much. Rescue Plan, which by the way was only voted by Democrats, that was able to turn back on our economy, that was able to get shots in arms, that was able to get the schools fully open, and that was able to give businesses an opportunity to start back up and give a little bit of more of breathing room, those extra dollars uh, uh, back into the pockets of Americans. Mm. That's what the president was able to do. And he continued that with the bipartisan infrastructure legislation. He continued that with the CHIPS Act. He continued that with the Infl Inflation Reduction Act. And let's not forget the work that we have done, this president has done these past several months to get gas prices down. Why oh, did this all happen? It's because of the global challenges that many countries, countries across the globe, have have been facing how do you live with yourself there must be no mirrors in the white house none I don't... none the bathrooms are just can you walls. imagine just no. like i mean no. at least uh what's her nuts the the one from before um saki saki at least she was able to like you know go do her own thing and like shit on the president a little bit it probably makes her feel better you know mm. but this one holy moly like not only are you doing this job, which is just thankless and pointless, and quite frankly, just any credibility that you had as a fucking human being is out the window now, but you knew what you were what you were going to be doing when you came in. You're like, you watched this other schmo do the whole thing for, what, like a year? Mm -hmm. And now you're like, yeah, that's that's the job I want. Like, what did they offer her? Mm. <laughs> Wait till you see how mad she got about this. So, so there's been reports out this week, and it's it's came out on the com campaign trail that if Republicans win both chambers of Congress back, they're going to repeal the Inflation Non Reduction Act. Good. And the up to ten trillion dollars in unregulated green spending that's woven into it. Um, Joe Biden didn't like it, and KJP was actually asked about it. So. Let's hear what her response was when uh, asked for the first time during the White House press conference. If we get uh, the consumer price index uh, for September on Thursday, what does the administration expect from that? So you're talking about the CPI, the inf uh, the upcoming number. Yeah, I think on, that's what it stands inflation. for. So look, you know, the president has made, uh, as far as his economic policy, he's made lowering costs uh, for the American people, bringing it that look, the inflation what? down. His number one economic priority, and that continues to be uh, that continues to do that. We're going to 
we know that we're, there's more work to do, yeah. uh, but we have seen some important progress for the American people. Where? A couple of things that I lay out. We, we've seen real disposable income and real consumer <laughs> spending both increase in part thanks to the strength of our job market. Mm. Uh, gas prices are down over $1 per gallon since their peak this summer. That's an overall decline of 22%. And we're giving families a little bit more breathing room. I just talked about the Inflation the Reduction Act that's going to lower costs. Uh, as we think about health care, we think about energy and, and health care premiums to be more specific. And, you know, here's the thing. And we've seen this this week, and we saw it last week, how Republicans in Congress, uh, as we know, voted against the Inflation Reduction Act. But the first thing that they want to do uh, is repeal the Inflation Reduction Act, which means that they would be playing into or supporting or lifting up these the wealthiest special interest groups. Why would you do that? Why would you take away an opportunity to lower cost for seniors? Why would you take out take away the opportunity to lower costs uh, on when it comes to energy? Why would you take away the opportunity to fight climate change in a way that we have not seen, in an investment in a way that we have not seen? And so that's how we see uh, uh, kind of uh, the important progress that we've made. Clearly, we will be paying close attention to that data as it comes yeah, you better be doing that because uh, you talked about that those rising wages and what'd she say, disposable income for the first time in a long time. She forgot about the COVID, you know, save your ass act where they sent everybody $1,200 in disposable income. Yeah. There are 11 million unemployed Americans right now. Mm-hmm. 11 million. And just to refresh any listeners, hmm. the Inflation Reduction Act, the reason it needs to be repealed is the massive overspending on pet projects, right? Mm-hmm. Up to uh, 10 trillion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how they never mention any of the negative sides. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we kind of agree that, you know, this part of it's kind of fucked up, but no, it's always just, you're taking money from old people. It's just, it's, I mean, our side does it too. Yeah, but you unfortunately, saw, you, but... you've seen the Democrats campaign platform over the Oh course. yeah, it's a joke. So, you know, Republicans have no answers, the uh, sunset Medicare and, and, and Social Security, and they're going to ban like, abortion. Why would you ever bring up Social Security? Because at the rate we're spending, like, I already know I'm not getting Social Security. Me too. Completely fine with that. Uh, well, I mean, I'd like to not have to pay into it anymore if I'm not going to get it. True story. But, I mean, I feel like that should be an option. Maybe we will sunset it then. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so I don't know if you saw, Noah, earlier this week, I believe it was on Wednesday, uh, well, Joe Biden sat down for a heavily edited, still had to read off a card during um, interview with Jake Fake News Tapper. Heavily edited, and yet still they can't just have him, like, read the card, look at, put your face up so it's looking at the camera with those dead shark eyes and fucking... Hey. Say your line. Hey. Hey. Well, here's the deal. Listen to your fat. Nobody fucks with the Bidens. <laughs> Fake news. But but seriously, so we, we have been talking about it a little bit, and, uh, you know, we did touch on it uh, with Devin Nunes, uh, the quid pro quo Joe regarding Saudi Arabia, something that Donald Trump was allegedly accused of and impeached for mm. regarding his Ukraine phone call when Joe Biden was a private citizen and not officially announced his candidacy for running running for president in 2019 and Donald Trump wanted to know about all of these allegations that were coming out between how Joe Biden was making his money and his son's uh, connections in regards to, you know, energy boards he sat on in Ukraine. So apparently 
and, and we did talk about it on our Tuesday edition of the show, Joe Biden had asked the Saudis not to cut back um, oil production because of the rising gas rates again. Gas is going up. It's over $6 in Nevada. It's never that high there. That's fucking wild. Nevada. It's almost $4 in Florida, according to Devin Nunes. It's over $6 here in Southern California where we live. It's over $7 in Los Angeles right yeah. now. I was in Arizona, what, like a couple weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And it was like high three, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's double the price here in Southern California. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like literally like we drove over the border into Yuma just to get gas. So I guess. And dinner. When Joe Biden said. You know, I don't like how you're not agreeing to, number one, not cut oil production, and number two, you're going to tell on me for asking you to do this when I said, <laughs> okay, so let's say you do it. Can you just cut a million barrels starting after the midterms? And Saudi Arabia basically said, did you say one million? We're going to cut two million barrels mm. of production. So Jake Tapper asked him about this whole back room arguing that they've got going on right now with one of our largest strategic allies in the Middle East, and uh, let's hear Basement's weigh in. But we should, we should, and I am uh, in the process when the, when the, uh, in the process? Uh, House and Senate gets back, they're, they're going to have to, uh, there's going to be some consequences for what they've done yeah, with Shane. Russia. What kind of consequences? Menendez says suspend all arms sales. Is that something you'd consider? I'm not going to get into what I'd consider and what I have in mind, but there will be Perfect. there will be consequences. Good for you, Joe Biden. Ooh, you jerk you told up. them. No, the listen. The the they put out an, a huge statement uh, following that interview, and the Saudis exposed Joe Biden wanted them to delay a decision on about limiting oil production until after the midterm elections because Biden didn't want new fuel price hikes until after the elections. Opinion, very corruptible and impeachable. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they didn't name him by name, cause, but they did government of the United States and president of the United States and, and basically said, you know, they strive to preserve the strength of the relationship with all friendly countries, including the United States. It, it affirms its rejection of any dictates, actions, or efforts to distort noble objectives to protect the global economy from the oil market volatility. And, uh, you know, it, it's it just says that the United States... Its relationship right now, currently, is purely strategic, but one that serves the common interests of both countries, fighting terrorism, obviously energy, a uh, strong beacon in the region, and, and that relationship has stood bare at its highs and current lows uh, for over eight decades, and, and they'd like to continue it, but they said they're not going to be bullied by Joe Biden to say, like, okay, First of all, you're not winning back the House and Senate basement. So anything kind of like repercussions like ending military supplies to Ukraine, you can't even executive order, or I'm sorry, Saudi Arabia, how dare I say Ukraine. Mm. Can I say Ukraine? Let's talk about that since we're talking about oil and and all things energy related. So apparently uh, Vladimir Zelensky made uh, another, another one of his Zoom rants this week where he talked about, you know, the demands for more money, like the 31 border walls we haven't, we've already sent over there isn't enough. And actually, you know, declared that said, listen, fiscal year 23, Ukraine doesn't survive unless the United States provides it with $5 billion per month just to run normal operations. This has nothing to do with its uh, geographical skirmish with with Russia. Tucker Carlson weighed in and gave a little bit of commentary. No, I think you'll probably believe this is funny. Let's hear it. The scope of this year's support uh, should be not less than $5 billion. What? Some 
uppity foreigner in a t-shirt demanding money for his <laughs> critical economic needs? We have critical economic needs too, buddy. Who are you, Troll? Oh, go away. What? Since when does that guy have a claim on our treasury? When does he? Some uppity foreigner in a t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, the guy could put on a suit and maybe a tie at least you know maybe no pants you know how they do a lot of stuff with him green screen right yeah so, so they actually showed the studio where a lot of that stuff happens and it's full-on like it looks like they're making a fucking marvel movie and it, it looks like they're making a music video with leather pants well he's dressed up in his like you know green t-shirt and and and, and cami pants and you know it, somebody wrote shared it on twitter and wrote a caption like man the new wolverine movie looks like it's gonna suck <laughs> So, but KJP wasn't done. We're gonna we're gonna circle back to her last, uh, you know, last clip of her because the, you know if there's one thing she likes to talk about besides pronouns, it's racist Republicans and how there's a double standard as they use it as part of their campaigning platform. And uh, re- Republicans only pointed out when Democrats are actually being racist, like Kamala Harris and her uh. Uh, black and brown hurricane aide. <laughs> Oof, not good. Um, well. I'll just let you hit the garrison button every time she makes a, a hot point. Mm. Uh, thanks, Green. Uh, the president has condemned racism many times since taking office. Great. Uh, I wonder if he's followed the situation on the Los Angeles City Council with Mary Martinez <laughs> and the leaked recording of her using racist remarks to describe uh, a colleague's black son. Yep. Uh, she said today she's taking a leave of absence, uh, but there are others. Um, Senator Padilla, Mayor Garcetti, who have called for her to resign. Are they canceling her like they do everybody else? Please follow this. Uh, Spoke to him about it uh, yesterday. Uh, Look, the president is glad to see that one of the participants in that conversation has resigned, uh, but they all should. He believes that they all should resign. The language that was used and tolerated during that conversation was unacceptable, and it was appalling. Uh, They should all step down. And here's the difference between Democrats and and MAGA Republicans. When a Democrat says something racist or anti-Semitic, we would, we we hold them, we hold Democrats accountable. When a MAGA Republican says something uh, racist or anti-Semitic, they are embraced by cheering crowds and become (laughs) celebrated and sought after endorsements. Uh, Where? I don't know about that. Senator Tuberville, let's not forget, this just happened. Uh, saying black people uh, commit crimes. Doug Mastriano attacking his opponent in Pennsylvania governor's race for sending his children to a Jewish day school. The president used to say, and and I quote the president right now, quote, hate never goes away, it only hides. But lately, it's just one one in the open at these extreme MAGA rallies it's just out part of me it's just out in the open at these extreme MAGA rallies mm. you, you know I, I have the I t- didn't even garrison that because I was just confused the whole time mm. well first of all you know let's let's just debunk this from top to bottom okay here we go so first of all she said when Democrats do things that are like this they are held accountable you did notice how that guy said she has stepped down from her current position as head of the board but still remains in context in her job. Mm. She suggested that the entire board and everyone that participated in that phone call stepped down, right? Yeah. So what consequences have they incurred ever since this happened? The answer is none. Yeah. So she's just pointing it out that that they're under the radar. 
I pulled the Tommy Tuberville clip last week. I had it as part of like Newsmash when Christina Bob was in, but I just didn't figure a segue into it. Now that it's come up in the White House press conference, do you want to hear the clip, Noah? Sure. All right, let's check it out and see how just how racist it is. Sitting congressman right here. Mm-hmm. Some people say, well, they're soft on crime. No, they're not soft on crime. They're pro-crime. They want crime. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Bull are those comments appropriate for a sitting U.S. senator, Congressman? What do you think, Noah? I mean, it didn't sound that bad. No. Did, did he say anything that was outside of the bounds of within the realm of truth? No. No. Could he have framed it a little bit nicer? Yeah. Could he have framed it a little bit more culturally or racially appropriate? Sure. Yeah. But is he pointing? Listen, we see these videos. What as, was he saying? They as in like Democrats or no, they as in the a pe- certain. The people who commit crimes. He was talking about the people who commit crimes. He never referred to African-Americans. Oh. But, but the fact of the matter is crime has become a centerpiece of just about every Republican who's running in a race where major cities are. Yeah. Large urban areas are. And I'm not going to lie to you. When you go and watch the news at night. You don't see these, uh, what do they call them, DVEs running around, sucker punching people on the street, robbing people in broad daylight, throwing people onto subway tracks, beating up old people, walking into convenience stores to rob one pack of cigarettes and executing the fucking cashier by shooting him in the back of the head. Yeah, no, that's not cool. I mean, the thing is, is like this problem stems from number one, failed Democrat leadership across the board. Yep. Number two, radical Soros-funded DAs across the country, especially in the historically large major cities. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is that jail reform means, like, nobody goes to jail for anything anymore. I mean, if I was Donald Trump and they were, like, literally going to federally indict me now, I might almost be excited because I could put all of this behind me knowing that I'm going to go in for some fingerprints and a booking picture and get out relatively quick based off of, uh, you know, how the crime circuit works in D- in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it's just an absolute joke how, how people are just in and out. It's a fucking revolving door, and it emboldens people to continue doing what they're doing of any fucking demographic. Yes, and, uh, you know, it's like KGP really wants all of these MAGA Republicans who are set to win these midterm elections to just go away. And, uh, you know, be it as it may, you can't just wish them away. But I did hear uh, somebody from, I'm trying to find it right now, they actually weighed in on that and used that analogy. And I think that, uh, you know, the fear level is high right now. We, we, we've seen polls that are just not making any sense, and we've seen you know, debates where the Republicans are the clear winners and then new polls will come out that show uh, the Democrat candidates are, you know, um, winning in the polls now and stuff like that. And it just doesn't match up. The The voter suppression and the trying to mismessage the MAGA agenda is at all-time highs right now. Believe it or not, it was on, uh, well, the segment's called The Problem with Democracy. Imagine that. And it was on Meet the Fake Press. Mm. So let's hear this pundit weigh in on uh, MAGA Republicans' KJP style. What, as we look to 2024, because my, my former boss also talked about how one Trump term is one thing, There's two drill, Trump Noah. terms is another it's thing. Totally different thing. Oh, yeah. What should is. we, what lessons should Americans take from what has happened like around that. the world if there are mm. extended years of a government in place who's fighting against democracy and fighting against fundamental rights of people? What could happen with more years? 
Yeah, well, so you're right that it's a universal thing. And um, we can talk about Europe has its own cases where in Italy we might have the first far-right prime minister mm -hmm. since Mussolini. And that person will have come to power through elections. Yes, um, or the will. Sweden Democrats, a party with um, right. neo-Nazi origins. So it's not just America. Like it's the people in Ukraine, over the, the, place the ones because, currently running Ukraine. Um, we're not debating economic issues anymore. We're debating cultural issues, identity issues, issues around religion. So I think we have to accept that people who we completely disagree with are sometimes going to win. So there's, what, 74 million Trump uh, supporters, voters. We can't just wish them away. They're not going to disappear. Mm -hmm. So then we have to find a way to live with them, even if we think they're bad people, even if we mm -hmm. think they're a threat to everything we hold dear. Because what, what's the other option that's in front of us. And that's a challenge because a lot of people will say, well, they're deplorable and we can't find a way to live with them. Michael. Isn't it a little bit ironic, though, that uh, you reference um, Italy, for example? Oh, uh, stop it. Mm. That's uh, Shmadi Hamid. He's the author of The Problem with Democracy. And essentially, the whole meat and potatoes of his book is, I wish I didn't live in one so we could physically execute the people who support Donald Trump and the America First Agenda. That, that's literally like the gist of the book. And, you know, when they talk about the things like uh, they, they, they try to spin like religion and progressivism and education and healthcare, all they're talking about is abolishing Christianity. They're talking about eliminating the entire middle class, um, hypersexualizing and changing everything about your children mm -hmm. and teaching fake history. So th those are the those are their pretty much big talking points. And, uh, you know, the ones that we've seen get absolutely smashed in, in the debates that we've uh, actually had for this midterm election. As we're, as we're heading home now, and uh, in our last audio clip of the week, I saw, well, another one, fake news, Chris Hayes. Uh, last night he was talking about predicting that what happens if Republicans win both chambers of Congress. I don't want to get into it too much. I'll just play his clip and then we'll talk about it. Midterms only 27 days away, Republicans appear to think they have the advantage on the economy. Big part of that is just that the, the party that's out of power, uh, because the party that is out of power doesn't have the White House, will typically run against the status quo. And right now, a big part of the status quo is inflation. People don't like it. <laughs> According to the latest tracking poll, the economy is the number one issue people would like to hear candidates talk about ahead of abortion and immigration. But if the economy abortion. is the number one issue to voters, yeah. then there is one party that will have an incentive to make it better. And that party is the one that has the presidency, the Democrats. The other side, the Republicans, have an explicit incentive to make the economy worse. And I will tell you, having covered the Tea Party Congress of 2011 amidst the recovery from the financial crisis, I feel confident in predicting that if Republicans win control of one or both houses of Congress, they will do everything in their power to sabotage the economy, to best set them up to retake the White House in 2024. The Republicans are going to continue to sabotage the economy so that they can win the White House in 2024? No. The Republicans want to stop the current unregulated spending so they can get this economy back on track. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't want most likely to pin wins on Joe Biden for having a robust and, you know, absolutely amazing economy like we did during the Trump administration at its height. But the fact of the matter is, is like, well, first of all, no, do you believe that abortion is the number two issue behind the economy? No, no, it was like, a, it was the economy 
abortion, the border, and guns. Yeah. So, I mean, you could always tell what fucking fake news MSNBC is shoving down the morons who watch that show on a nightly basis. Yeah, it's throat. amazing. Absolutely ridiculous. The fact of the matter is, is that here we are, 25 days out. Uh, we're wrapping up the week now. Kind of a banger of a show. I liked it. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow morning. I don't mention it enough on the show. It's time to start mentioning it again. We do have our one-hour live show, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. The Great Steak Breakfast is a joint effort with our great friend Alan Jacoby, the host of The Great Divide. And uh, in addition to that, we're going to be doing a midterm special tomorrow. So we're going to be talking about some of the biggest races in the country right now that we need to be focusing on. Uh, we'll, we'll do coverage of how about Michigan governor's debate. We'll, we'll touch on the entirety of Pennsylvania. We'll hit Oz and Mastriano. We'll probably take it out to, uh, you know, I think there's a Herschel Walker's debate is tonight. We'll pull some clips from that. Nice. And, uh, you know, we'll go through, through some of the battleground states as, as we're starting to uh, – you know, focus in on, on these upcoming midterms. We're going to be having some guests. I know J.R. Majewski says he's going to jump in on one of the Saturdays for a campaign update from him. And, you know, in addition to that, we just got to keep it rolling here. This is the time of year. Uh, you know what? It's even easier. I just put out a new Substack yesterday, and it's called, you know, like the red wave is coming regardless of whether you like it or not. We put on the blinders, we put our heads down, we dig in our heels, and we're sprinting towards the finish line right now. Any October surprise that comes out, listen, all the Herschel Walker crap we know. Dr. Oz is a puppy killer we know. Uh, hey, breaking news. I was watching Big Head yesterday, mm -hmm. Charlie Kirk, before we wrap right here. And uh, he had Jack Basobic on. Probably like some of the driest sex you'll ever experience in your life, their commentary. <laughs> but Jack Basobic gave a pseudo-endorsement to Dr. Oz. Ooh. It's happened. I broke the news across all my social medias. He didn't like it, but a lot of people shared it. And then he actually put out a post today that says, listen... I was never a huge fan of the guy, but here's the deal. Stacking chips. Where did you hear that narrative first? Huh. Only here. Um, it is October, and we are heading fastly towards Doug Vember, but we got to keep in mind, this is all ridiculously important in regards to, you know, winning back the House and Senate. Uh, so many people out there fighting on behalf of it. Check out our newest Substack. It's got a lot of insight on what you're going to see over the next 25 days and more. A lot of commentary from insiders you're not going to hear anywhere else as well. And uh, we'll probably just see you tomorrow. Ooh-wee, Noah. It's hard to deliver on a tri-weekly basis, but here we are. <laughs> Ooh-wee! Yeah, we have successfully made it through... Patel Nunez Volume 2, in addition to bringing you all these great news stories, we touched base with the National File today for the first time in a long time, and uh, I really enjoyed it. If you'd enjoyed this episode and like to hear the other 177 editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Friends, go out and support all of our sponsors. You know, we love them, and uh, the only thing that happens when you throw cash at them is we help make small American businesses great again, namely MyPillow. Listen, for all the deals Mike Lindell's got going on with our promo code and everybody else's out there, the guy put 20,000 pillows in a tractor trailer and drove it down to Florida to give out to people. It's awesome. He's absolutely amazing, and so is the entirety of the apparatus. That is my pillow. Enter promo code stake at checkout, mypillow.com forward slash stake, or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear, the world's most technologically advanced in studio headphones that are my absolute favorites, can only be found at Odyssey. 
if you're doing anything that involves recording, you want these wonderful sounds in your ears. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. You remember when our ears used to hurt after every podcast? Yes, headaches every time. Never again. They don't even really get sweaty. No. So because they're off the ear. The Patriot Cigar Company. Enter promo code STAKE, 15% off. E-gift card, $10 every purchase. Orders over 100 bucks, free shipping. It's a premium smoke for freedom-loving Patriots. MyPatriotCigar.com is the website. Mike, down at West Coast Survival Arms, has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessory, and ammo. I'm going to go see him in a couple hours. Yes, you are. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. You can give Mike a call, too. 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. Hmm. What do we got today? I got it. Hungover Cash Patel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Getting yelled at by Devin Nunez on the cell phone. Uh, If you like that and would like it placed on a concealed Kydex holster, they'll do it for you and get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram, too. Man rubs. Had some man rub chicken last night. Couldn't make it through the week. It didn't air fry him, though. I did, uh, so what I did was I, I bought it, shook it, sprinkled it, rubbed it. I, uh, what else did I do with it? I put it in the oven. No, I pan fried it first. Talk dirty to it. A little bit. Got the crisp on there. Ooh. Then I baked it, took it out. It's a lot of steps. Threw it in my mouth. Num, num, num. It was delicious. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to like all the gear they've got in their store. You're also going to like their Instagram. Uh, MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck, Dumpbox.us. They're always dropping new stuff in there. Go get yourself a T-shirt or a flag, a pin or a patch. Go ask Mark Joe Friday. You can find him on Facebook Messenger as well. Show creds. Go to all of our amazing guests. Noel Frisch, publisher and founder of The National File. And, of course... Former congressman, current CEO of True Social, Devin Nunez, former chief of staff and special assistant to the 45th president of the United States, Mr. Cash Patel. Hmm. Upcoming shows. Are you listening, Steve? Hi, Steve. There you go. We're coming back on Tuesday. J.W. Gibbons of the Daily Caller, Jake Denton of the Heritage Foundation. We're also going to be sitting down with Mike Collins. Next Friday, Paige Willie, John Gibbs, Sue Kylie, and Theo Wold. It's going to be a great show. Nice. On the 25th of October, we're going to have a bunch of lawyers in here. Alina Habba and Boris Epstein. It's going to be great. Leora Levy, senatorial candidate out of Connecticut, will be in on the 28th. And we'll have a good one on October 1st, getting uh, election month started. Ambassador Rick Grinnell, current governor candidate in the state of Maryland, Dan Cox, will be back joining us. We'll also get everybody else we're trying to get in here. We always do. We pull it off somehow. Um, what else do we got here? Friends of the Week. Our true social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420 and Friends, Siberian Kitten, Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Suitcase, CSM Master, Burgerman, Indiana Zoomer, Jason E. Van Gundy, Thomas Bammer, 13 Gen Patriot, and some call me Tim79. Then we got some of the meme team out there. Republican Actual 2.0 had some bangers this week. Grand Old Memes, Real Brenda, Mostly Peaceful, Dumbass Photoshop, Sean Hacker LA, of course, the real meme DeLorean. Guys, thanks for remember between now and next show. Number one, do your own research. You heard a lot of stuff from Devin Nunes today talking about his time up on Capitol Hill. Uh, you want to know more about it, go do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. Not too bad. Cash Patel made it difficult, but... Nah, it's fine. We got it done. Uh, number three? What is number three? Oh, I forgot. 
you want to know why we don't talk about American greatness enough? We need to start talking about it again. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 178 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with episode 179 on Tuesday. J.W. Gibbons, Jake Denton, and Mike Collins at the very least. And see you tomorrow for the live show. That's it. The Great Steak Breakfast tomorrow morning. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Thanks for listening and take care. Wokeness, as we have come to understand it, is far more deeply and essentially intertwined not only into the power structure of the United States, but the specific manner in which the United States, or as I call it, the globalist American empire, projects power. A full account of this mechanism runs outside the scope of this brief talk, but I can provide some intuition for this in invoking the color revolution model of power projection that has become a staple of U.S. influence. A chief characteristic of this color revolution model is to identify cleavages, ethnic, religious, gender, in the target community, exacerbate and mobilize populations on the basis of those cleavages and grievances by leveraging control over NGOs, media, and other instruments of soft power. Just to take a few examples, we see this with our approach to the Uyghurs in China, the Rohingya in Myanmar, female student groups in Belarus, gays and feminists in Russia, and other parts of Eastern Europe, and so forth. Wokeness is in this sense substantively intertwined with the specific mechanisms of soft power that the globalist American empire wields domestically over its citizens and abroad and plays most directly into America's comparative advantages in terms of mass media, propaganda, and soft power. Wokeness is also more and deeply embedded into not only the American culture, but the American economy and legal system on account of the entire ecosystem developed to accommodate civil rights and disparate impact law. In short, it is safe to say that the globalist American empire is the primary incubator and disseminator of woke ideology and that the overall strength of the woke poison is connected to the strength of the globalist American empire.